We be live. Hello. Hello. Hey, do you think woo news? There we go. Okay, we're going to be covering the news on atheism, religion, secularism, and all that stuff. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you leave a comment. Make sure you share. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the bell notification. I think like uh, we are the best channel when it comes to covering atheism and religion-related news. Uh, and we have a global perspective, unlike some other places where they're focusing on their own countries. We try to go international, right? Uh, Susie, what about what is, today is the news tragic? Is it funny? Is it ridiculous? Is it like wholesome? we have a bunch of like news that we get to dig into and unpack? Like that's mm. the nature of the stories we're dealing with today. So actually, you know, we've been on a very strong India kick for at least the past two months because mm -hmm. of the Nirpur Sharma stuff, right? But we yeah. actually have mostly Pakistani news today in terms of covering mm -hmm. South Asia. Then we got a lot of Iranian news because there's been an insane amount of stuff happening in Iran recently. And mm -hmm. um, a little Sudan. bit Africa and some interesting stuff in the U.S. and U.K., U.S. and okay, see, wow, cool, cool, cool. All right, we're all over the globe. Okay, so let's get started. And do you think we could clap for the first news? It doesn't seem like it's clap. The first it's, one is we're start, we're starting dark. We're starting evil. We're starting barbaric. barbaric. Um, so let's let's just get into it. Okay, next news. First news. Death by stoning. Sudanese woman receives death sentence for adultery. On June 26, Mariam uh, Al-Sayed Tirab, uh, a 20-year-old woman from Sudan, was sentenced to death by stoning for cheating on her husband, making her the first case of stoning in the country after almost a decade. The police arrested her after she had separated from her husband and returned to her family home. The trial was highly irregular. The judicial process began without a formal complaint, complaint, and she was also denied access to a lawyer. News of her conviction raises concerns, as many fear that after the military coup in October of 2021, lawmakers are now deliberately administering severe sentences against women to reverse the progress women's rights have made in the country under the transitional government. Uh, T-Rab has appeared, has appealed to the Supreme Court, which has yet to validate the state's ru court ruling and which can annul the sentence since it represents a violation of international law. The African Center for Justice and Peace Studies denounced the statement as violating domestic and international law and demanded T-Rab's quote unquote immediate and unconditional release. Okay, wait, uh, can you explain the political aspect of it? Like, with after the coup and the military, what are they trying to do? So, under the transitional government, there were a number of reforms that were made, so much as flanny, flogging, excuse me, flogging was abolished. Um, they had a few reforms to women's rights, and they also have reforms in regards to apostasy. So S Sudan, I believe, is the most recent country to abolish the death penalty for apostasy. However, you're still criminalized Also good, closer to Israel, right? I think that was also one thing. Oh, did. yes. that Armin, very good. Yeah, no, that's very important. They did also become um, noticeably closer to Israel within... Yeah, the past 
year and a half as well. And that was part of the military or part of the government? That was part of the reform, like your reformers government. Like, are they okay? So basically, you're saying that after the coup, the people, the military now is trying to undo. They're walking. The they're walking back the progress that was made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're saying this could be related. We don't know if this is related. Yeah, that's what some analysts are saying. Is it, it, it represents, you know, going back to a hardliner approach, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. What I find noticeably confusing is that, and this is maybe, a, well, this is like an Islamic technicality thing. So she's accused of committing adultery against her husband, but she was separated from her husband at the time. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Well, okay, what, mat what matters is How does is that work that, in Islam? Okay, first of all, um, well, the way that it's supposed to work in Islam, and this is debatable, is that you need four witnesses. Okay, but also the part, okay, the, the verses in the Quran, and I'm not joking about this, this is actually serious. Maybe you should want to stop dr drinking that water, Susanna, while I'm telling you, because you're going to spill it all over. Okay, and I'm not, this is actual, I'm, I am, I promise you that this is not a joke for people who might be new here. Okay, uh -huh. the parts of the Quran that had, stoning for adultery were eaten by a goat okay i don't know if it was a goat or a sheep but it was so those quranic verses were lost okay this is official islamic narrative i'm not making this stuff up okay so there is no <laughs> there is no part of the quran that tells you that you're supposed to be stoned by adultery okay but Omar, the second caliph of the Muslims, he specifically says that he remembered. So I think this was Aisha's copy of the Quran. Mm, if I remember this part correctly, Aisha is like Muhammad's favorite wife, mm -hmm. uh, the one that he married when she was six years old. Um, I think yeah. she mentioned that th that part of the Quran was eaten by a goat, if I remember correctly. But Omar specifically remembers um, remember that those verses existed in the Quran. So he, he, even after Muhammad's death, he continued to do stoning because he's like, I don't care if this is not in the Quran anymore. I remember that it was there. Okay. But the parts that were remaining in the Quran were like, you're supposed to flog for adultery. Like it ha you have flogging, but you don't have stoning. Um, the, and the stoning part was taken from Judaism, right? Like from this is for, it comes from the Old Testament and stuff, right? And but even though you don't have in the Quran stoning by death, uh, stone, uh, death by stoning and uh, for adultery, the Hadith still mentions it. So that you still have Islamic scripture that mentions stoning, right? But there are people who say like, you know what? Um, maybe it was a miracle that the okay, so. The way that Muslim a lot of Muslims look at this is like it wasn't it wasn't lost, okay? The goat was sent by Allah, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this that yeah. is, is that canon? This understanding? The yeah, of course it's canon. Everything oh is on my law, including the, the, the every everything that happens happens because Allah has a like if oh Allah God. made the goat eat that part of the Quran. 
is because Allah wanted to remove that part of the Quran, <laughs> right? So oh it's a miracle. <laughs> so you shouldn't be stoning. Can't you see the goat? Wait, what do you think? Who do you think sent the goat? <laughs> this is so <laughs> wild. So, right. oh my God. Okay. It, this, I mean, the actual details of this woman's case are really, really messed up. There were so many different injustices that she experienced in. Wait, wait, wait. One more important point I wanted to mention is that did they have ask? Did they have four witnesses? Because Islamically, you for for punishment like this, you need like four. I would. So this a lot of Muslims like. Oh, look, Islam is not cruel, uh, because. Because how could you produce four witnesses? Like four people have to have witnessed you having sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and because and they say that so. And by the way, Muhammad added this to the Quran because he was trying to save Aisha from like a lot of like um, people talking around her, against her, you know behind her back. But Muslim, a lot of Muslims say the reason why it requires four witnesses is because so it's an excuse not to punish anybody. But did they have? Four witnesses here or no? That's not known. It, it, that hasn't been reported on. Um, the, oh my gosh. So th- this uh, African Center for Justice and Peace Studies made a very good point in, in a statement they gave regarding this. They said the application of the death penalty by stoning for the crime of adultery is a grave violation of international law, including the right to life and the prohibition of torture and cruel and inhumane or degrading treatment or punishment and i think raising this as a looking through this as at at the lens of state sanctioned torture really changed the way i look at this kind of thing and it made me consider like all the other countries that practice stoning to this day so iran is the world's highest has the world's highest rate of execution by stoning and then there's also Afghanistan, Nigeria, Somalia, Brunei, and um, Pakistan. Uh, and it occurs in Mali, it's uh, the UAE, and Qatar and Yemen. Um, although in many of these places, the Stonians haven't actually been practiced. But in places like Iran and Afghanistan in particular, Stoning is actually practiced. And so I went to look at... It has become... uh, It used to in Iran. I think it it became illegal now. To my knowledge, it is still on the books as a a policy. There were people who were going to be stoned to death around 2010, but the judiciary, like, backed out of it. Hmm. I heard it was removed from... Um, as as a method of punishment, but I could be wrong. All right, but go on. The Library of Congress believes that around 150 people were stoned to death in Iran between 1980 and 2009, although the report numbers are probably lower than the actual figures. So that's um, 10 years of no stoning. I think that that's what I heard. Like, there has been 10, like, I think they put a stop on it. I don't know. I know yeah. when it came to the 2010 one that they backed out, but I wanted to look at what the penal code said about it. And so, um, Article 102, for the purpose of stoning, a man should not be buried into a pit up to his waist and the woman up to her breast, and then he or she shall be stoned to death. Article 103, if during the stoning the condemned person flees from the pit, if his or her commission of zina 
was proved by a testimony of witnesses if he or she shall be returned to the pit for the implementation of the stoning. But if the zina is proved by his or her confession, uh, they shall not be returned. So basically, if you confess to it yourself, there weren't witnesses, and you managed to escape the pit, like you, they will not continue to execute you. They'll let you go. Yeah. No. What? Wait, no, I'm not done. No, if a person who is sentenced to hadad or hudud punishment of lashes flees, he or she shall be turned for the execution of the hudud punishment. Anyway, Article 104. The stones shall not be so big as to kill the person by one or two strikes. Neither shall it be so small that it cannot be called a stone. So the Islamic Penal Code literally specifies the sizes of the rocks so that the punishment so that the pain of the execution will be inflicted for as long as possible yeah you can't be too big so that he dies too quickly for example you can't just be like okay i'm going to do a mercy kill instead of throwing rocks at him i'm going to just get this giant ass rock and just throw it on his head so he dies like right away no like yes he has to he or she has to suffer by the way my classmate's father was stoned to death Oh my god! Yeah, the guy that like in uh, in school used to sit right next to me, like we were like right next to each other. His father, like my father, was a doctor, but unlike my father, he used to put his patients um, in, you know, use like anesthesia, like when they when they were passed out, like I don't know mm -hmm. what you call them when you put them under, you make you know. Yeah, anesthesia. Uh, uh, Anesthesia. Like he, his patients were, um, you know, women who were pregnant and stuff, right? But he mm -hmm. used to put them um, in a coma or something. What do you call them? When, when, when you are like passed out, what is that called? Just, people say you're going under. You're okay, under when you're under, he used to just, he, he used to have sex with them. Okay? <gasps> yes. And he did that with multiple, like, I think, like, I don't remember the number, but it was a big number of patients, okay? Holy and then he crap. he was caught and this was in Shiraz in Iran. And I remember like I don't know what the, 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 this would him, but his, his father was just captured and he was stoned to death because of it. Yeah. It was my, my cl classmate, yeah. What year was that? <sighs> this is like maybe like 20 years ago, I think. Holy cow, that's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. When, yeah. I don't know. There was it's a video just... of it as well. Like, people were, like, passing on the video of it. So I didn't watch it. I, you know, everybody was, like, acting like they, like, everybody, like, oh, did you watch it? Did you watch it? And I was lying. Like, yeah, I watched it. It was so gruesome. But I actually didn't watch it. I was lying. Holy crap. I don't, yeah. I don't even know if there was a video, but everybody like was claiming that they had watched it. Anyways. Oh my god. Oh, Willfully is bringing up a very good point. Or Willfilify. He's saying stoning is also communal. This sick bonding might be another reason to have the stoning take long. I don't know if about... I think... Yeah, people show up so much. I'm always yeah. surprised how, how many people show up. Because it's not like the officials who do the stoning. Like there's a, it's a day for stoning... And then people just show up to do the stoning. And it's so surprising how many people show up. Like, people are like, yeah, like, let's go stone this MFO. Like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, it's a form of community punishment. It's so sick. Yeah, but, like, why do people show up? Like, they're not getting paid or anything. 
they're just volunteering like it's like a exciting event or something it's so weird people are crazy man talk about a way to breed sickness into a society it's yeah. so insidious i know like when you really sit down and think about it holy crap yeah no i don't know i thought that this was a really important story to bring attention to to just like remember that this is something that is on the books that can be that someone can receive this sentence in you know several countries around the world to this day um even if they don't actually use that sentence very often the fact that it is still allowed to stand on the books means that someone could have be faced with that you know even if it's not applied very often it's okay so it also, sick. it's also i don't understand why okay so the men are you you the dig the hole that you dig to put the men in and the woman in the for the woman is deeper right yeah okay so the the law is that you you dig a hole you put the man and the woman in it and the part of their body is out but if they manage to get out like while you're stoning them if they manage to get out of the hole and run away the law is that okay fair is fair you're not free which is such a weird justice like if you are better at digging yourself out of a hole you get to live but if the person who is like can't dig himself out of a hole they have to die okay yeah you're but, right now that i think about it that's yeah that's also crazy <laughs> yeah like how is that justice and but also it's extremely anti-woman because the woman's hole is deeper like the woman yeah. is, how far does the woman then does she go up all the way up to her neck, right? Like well, according to Iran's penal code, it's it says un, up to the breast, but the man is up to, up the, to the waist. Right. So the woman has less of a chance to get away. <laughs> like why? Like I can't. Like why is why is the woman's whole like they really want like okay, maybe maybe the like maybe people men were just looking after each other and like okay let's like make it easier for men to get away. But the women, like, if you yeah. sleep with another man, like, we have to make sure there's no way for you to get away. Like, yeah. what is, oh, my God. How do people look at this? I'm like, that seems fair. Like, I know, this? yeah. Dulal is saying Islamic justice. Yeah, why am I asking questions about why this doesn't make sense? It's Islamic justice. I mean, Islamic and Jewish, let's be fair here, okay? This comes That's from Judaism. Yeah. yeah. Good old Abrahamic faiths. You love to see it. Just a real mm. exemplar of yeah, justice and morality, true kindness and benevolence. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of ridiculous Islamic standards and practices, we have a huge story from Iran coming up. Okay. Are you ready can for the next news? For, can we clap for this one? I think we should. I think we definitely should. Great. Next news. Next news. Iranian women fight religious crackdown by publicly removing hijab. So everyone, this is one of the most important stories we've covered like in a while. Um, on July 6th, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi ordered government agencies to enforce the country's mandatory hijab laws more strictly, signaling the nation's move towards a religious crackdown. Ismail Rahmani, uh, a deputy prosecutor in the city of Mashhad, ordered a ban on women not wearing proper hijab from public transport. 
In Shiraz, southern Iran, quote-unquote morality police have been patrolling with a van that serves as a mobile detention facilities for women caught not wearing the hijab in public. Iran also declared July 12th as, quote-unquote, hijab and chastity day to promote the Islamic notion of hijab for women. But the pushbacks are strong, both among citizens and activists. In response to the increasingly harsher implementation of hijab compliance, many women have posted videos of themselves not wearing the hijab. Women's rights activists have called the hijab enforcement, quote, a violation of their human rights and organized a hashtag no to hijab campaign. Masi Alinejad, a Iranian-American journalist and activist, tweeted numerous videos of women not wearing hijab in public as part of the ongoing movement. More than 100 activists, including prominent journalists and actresses, signed a joint statement declaring the, quote, damage done to the society by 43 years of enforced veiling in Iran. Okay, do you want to watch some of the videos? Or like yeah, videos? you can translate them for us. Okay, okay. But they, by the way, I don't know if you guys want explanations because this I could talk about this for hours because this is no, I, that's what we're here for. That's oh, what really? I want from you. <laughs> okay. Well, let me know if you have audio for this. Do you yes. have audio? Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on, I'm hearing echo here. Just one second. Do you guys hear echo? No. There we go. Okay. Wait, I think the audio went away. Okay, so describe what we're watching to for people. So we are watching a woman standing in the middle of a street. Well, not like the the street but like on a sidewalk you can see cars pass in the background so in public and she is holding a black veil in her hands and scarf or hijab and then she's holding a match to it and lighting it on fire and she's also wearing like a mask and sunglasses to kind of conceal her face all right let's watch this one this one has a lot more this is uh, posted by masia Najad, and i think this one has a lot more here wait we have no okay, audio so, yep there we go. So these are people who are saying, Messi, here's our videos. Like they're just telling Messi that here's us walking in Tehran, walking in different cities of Iran uh, without their, or this one is an Esfahan, uh, just like removing their hijab and recording themselves uh, without the hijab. By the way, this is like uh, the, the reason why a lot of, okay, I could talk, I'll give you my analysis later because this has become, this is stuff are, are es escalating to a whole other level in Iran recently. So they just, every each one of these women are just telling you where they, where, what city they're in and they're giving the date and the city. It's important for them to mention the location and the date uh, just so, so that um, it's very, they, you know, these women are are very organized. Okay, right now, like they have they have a system. Okay, because they want uh, they want it to be recorded that this is widespread, and they also want to document. Like as soon as you see they're recording themselves, each one of them is mentioning the the city and the date, so that people can see the progress. Um, wh where is it spreading, and how fast is it spreading? So 
they're you know they're very clever about that. This one is saying like I I took this video for you. I just want to see who dares come and, and bothers me about me never not having it. Yes. She's like I just she's just like I just want to see who could who dares come and tells me and tell me anything about not having a job. Okay, these are just different women in different places, just taking off their hijab. Okay, so this is this is a man over here, standing right over here. He's like bothering this woman for not wearing hijab. And she's like, why are you harassing me? Why are you insulting people? And like, he's like, I'm not insulting you. And then he's like, why would you interfere in our freedom uh, of choice? And the man is like, just a moment, just a moment. Okay, so here's another man telling the woman who has, doesn't have the hijab, he's, uh, she's recording him. So there's two things they record. First of all, they record themselves without the hijab. And when they get a reaction by somebody, they record the reaction that they're getting. Okay, so this man is telling the woman without the hijab, that this is this this land this there's a there's a law of the land okay this country has a law okay you have to just avoid the law okay so for people who don't know there a lot of the um a lot of they used to be the arguments used to be like more islamic okay but now because of the more people are like you know screw islam uh, and I'm not Muslim, right? Like I don't want to, or some people say, I don't want to abide by Islamic laws. So now a lot of the arguments are shifting. Like, even if you don't agree, it's important. It's moral to follow the law of the land. Okay. So this country has its laws and you just have to respect the laws. Okay. If you don't like the laws, it's okay. You just leave Iran and go live in another country. But this, these are the laws that you have to obey. Okay. So that these are the more recently, this is, these are more of the narratives. Like, Hey, you, this is not, this is not Kuwait, okay? This is Iran, okay? Just, just, just follow the laws. Uh, but the response, let's see what the response is. So the man is saying, this country has laws. So the woman is responding, slavery was also one day a law, the law. So, she, so the response is not just, just because something is the law, that doesn't mean it's good. Obeying the law is not necessarily a good thing. So that's the challenge a lot of the women. And I, I've noticed like this, slavery is like the, the, I've seen in many videos that these women record when the other guy always says like, hey, this is the law, obey the law. They have, they're equipped with counter arguments. They have this, they're ready to go on the spot. Okay, so it's very beautiful to see. Yeah? And, they say, and she's saying, uh, why should I respect a bad law? I'm like, oh, one should not respect a bad law. Okay, so now we're watching a woman being arrested for like being put in the cop car for not wearing the job. Okay, and so the woman in the background is saying a, a law that dehumanizes people uh, is not a good law. Like, and we're watching videos of Le Mullah, and Mullah is getting off his out of his car and just like uh, buttering this woman. Ooh, the, the the mullah is coming to the car of this woman and telling the woman like put the hijab back on you filth like he's oh like like you put the, you put back your hijab you filth that's what he just said and the woman is saying like it's none of your business 
and like God, the Mullah is saying, go to hell. Oh, oh. Oof. oh this man God. is like, yeah, this man. So that was another Mullah trying to get the phone away from the woman. And now this is, this is a religious man. This man is trying to not to touch the woman. So he's, he's taking off his coat and he's trying to hit the woman with his coat. <sighs> and he's saying like, put back your hijab. Fix your hijab. Like, like, fix your hijab. And he's hitting her with his coat. So crazy. <laughs> oh, this guy's famous. <laughs> yeah, so this man, this mullah is telling the woman, like, fix your hijab, we get martyrs. <laughs> like, okay, so I have to put this in context. Like, fix your hijab, we get martyrs. Okay, so the line, we gave martyrs, it's equivalent to a mom telling you i gave birth to you okay no no i think a better equivalent is like there are soldiers that died for you yeah like we 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 have veterans that died for your rights in this country and this is how you're acting yeah like we have people that martyred themselves like in the iran iraq war like for for this nation and this is how you act like that kind of thing yeah but the line we gave martyrs is a common line in Iran. Whenever whenever people are not res- respecting the regime or respecting oh the laws or being un-Islamic, you have somebody like, we gave martyrs! We gave martyrs! Freak of the martyrs! Like we, like, we sacrificed so much to uphold this Islamic Republic. And what are you doing? Look at you, what are you doing? In fact, my mom was arrested for her uh, hijab at some point and that's the exact same line that they got right oh actually this is a this is an interesting story my mom like but when my mom and my aunt were arrested they were arrested together okay back then the standards were a lot like they were even stricter okay so my mom was not arrested for showing her hair my mom were, was arrested for her hijab being red Oh my god. Okay. Colorful. Right now people get to have colorful hijab, but back then that was like too colorful. Okay. So when and she had to go to mandatory purifying uh, classes, okay? So morality Islamic morality classes, that was her sentence, okay? And the teacher in that class told her like you guys, like, you are thinking about the martyrs that this country has given our young and all the young men who have sacrificed so, so much for this country. You're corrupting their hearts with, with your appearances. <gasps> like, you are making them go to the sinful path by tempting them. Well, you know, these are pure men, and this country has so much valuable pure men, and you're <sighs> corrupting their hearts by being so... You know, by looking like this, okay? Because you're, yeah, uh, you're a whore. Like, <laughs> yes, no. But my mom responded like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. My hijab was red for remembering the blood that was sacrificed, the blood of the martyrs. That was what my red hijab represents. <laughs> She's quick, smart, and quick on her feet. I like it. That was what. Yeah. Anyways, let's continue. There's so many things I want to talk to you about this story, but I want. Okay, well, I have a few questions. Oh, we should finish the video. Do you want it? I don't know. Do you want to finish it? Because there's. I think let's let's get into like dissecting the topic. Okay, 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 okay. So, one thing I want to talk about is, in your opinion, and what you've been seeing since the twelfth, was how successful was this campaign? Because Mm. I was talking to Babak on the twelfth. And for those who don't know, he's like the other co-host of the Atheist Republic Operation channel. 
And um, he was basically saying like, eh, like we've seen like some videos today, but it wasn't as much as we thought. He was like, where are the people like coming out? Like, but it was the day of, so we weren't sure how much was going to have come from it. Right. But what, what do you think was the success? I think they over, I, I agree with Bob. I think they over promised, like they make it seem like, okay. So if the measure, if the, if the success is like, did they manage to get people talking about it? Yes. Okay. But they shouldn't be overselling it before. Okay. They should be underselling it. And then when it happens, people are like, okay, mission accomplished. But what they, the mistake that they make is before it, they make it seem like a thousands, a wave of people. Like it's going to be, the streets are going to be flooded with non-hijabi women. Okay. And that never happens. What happens is that we get like, maybe hundreds of videos, okay? And every time you see a video, it's like one woman in a corner recording herself without a hijab and sending it like maybe to either posting it herself or sending it to Masiel in hijab or sending it somewhere else, okay? But if you listen to the narrative before it happens, it seems like the expectation is like, you're going to open the door and it's just going to be like waves of women without that. Yeah, hijab. all of a sudden no I'm, one, only you only see yeah. like chadoras, but mostly women wearing like their hair free yeah kind of like what actually did happen early in the history of islamic republic when like hundred thousand women actually did show up to protest against like the mandatory hijab like you you know what that event that was crazy mm -hmm. that was something that we never like we weren't told like we had to i had to learn about this many many years later because it was wiped away from the history wow. right yeah, we had no idea. Like, what the hell? Like, we were shocked. Like, any time, and also when we were sharing that story, we were like, wait a minute, what? That actually happened? Like, yeah, it was completely forgotten. It was completely wiped away from Iranian history, that event. Okay? Like, we were like, this cannot, how could this, how could, like, it was so, like, when you, when people eventually, because of social media, learned about that story, it was like such a earth-shattering, like, discovery. Like, it was almost as if, like, the fact that that was even possible, Anyways, mm -hmm. but I don't know if people don't know what I'm talking about. Like when the Islamic Republic of Iran, when they eventually the regime, when initially the regime came to power, the mere suggestion of mandatory hijab made like women come into the street in masses. You should go watch those videos. Like I could not believe that. Like after more than 30 years, uh, more than like, you know, around 30 years of being an Iranian, that seeing that kind of, not even on an Iranian side, like I was discovered, like that was, I would discover that through like, you know, English sites and media, right? That that's mm -hmm. something that happened in Iran. I was like, how, that's amazing. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because you can see there was a wave of women in the streets against the Islamic Republic at the time. And there were like very little men, like almost no men. Okay. And mm -hmm. a lot of people say in Iran that like, the main people who stood, who kept on challenging the Islamic Republic of Iran were women, okay? And they were the first to come out and stand against them, okay? And some people are suggesting that it's, given the way things are going, it seems like they are also going to be the, the people who will eventually maybe be a downfall. I'm not saying this. This is about some people suggesting. Like, they are the ones who started it, and eventually they are the people who will end it as well, right? Like, from the beginning to the end of the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, the, the main challenge to the regime has been women. But we'll see. I, I don't, I'm not making any predictions, okay? Mm -hmm. But what do you think?
Well, I thought this was really interesting. I thought it was really important because I think it got the message of compulsory hijab out to more people outside of Iran. Like a lot of people don't even know that this is something that is mandatory within the country. And so I think having such a large campaign reach a bigger international audience was really, really important. Um, but what I think was really important to think about is what this signals, because it's not just about like the, the religious crackdowns are not just about compulsory hijab. Like mm. it is not just about religious. It's not just about like, women's rights. It's not just about teenagers skating around, mixing genders. Like, what this is about is a, a larger in the state practicing its ability to exert power within the private individual's life. And it's it's the system flexing its muscle that it can continue to do so. That it still has the state infrastructure to do so. And so what do you think about that larger dynamic, especially in consideration of over the past three years, we've been seeing protests in Iran with greater frequency, larger numbers for, for instance upon instance, whether it's water protests, oil worker protests, uh, building collapses, like it just, food shortages, like it just keeps going and going and going. So how what do you think about this large crackdown that is being exerted through like religious means and justification in the midst of the numerous like crises that the country has faced over the past few years okay so i could talk and um i'm going to take some notes because i might forget all of this because i could talk about this for a lot for a while okay so First of all, you have to understand that ever since the elections, okay, uh, the presidential elections in Iran, the hardliners um, have managed to annihilate almost the uh, the reformers. Okay, so the hardliners have been able to have a full-on takeover of every element of Iranian um, politics. Okay, Iranian uh, institute, not just institutions like whether they are within politics or not okay so they're just like mass takeover okay and so that's one thing the second uh, thing that has happened is that the opposition uh, okay so the iranian regime uh, is looking weak okay partly mm -hmm. because of the sanctions and partly because of um israel's um just like ease of attack on Iranian soil and just taking of, of this different interest. And also this um, the JCPOA not looking like it's going anywhere. Some people are like looking forward, some opposition to the regime are looking forward to maybe harsher um, attempts of, you know, harsher attacks on the regime. Well, and I think the thing that makes them work, look the weakest is the cost of living crisis. Yeah, yeah, economic crisis. There's multiple crises, okay? Um, their failure of some of their plans around the, uh, the region. So some people are seeing like, okay, this is this is going to fall apart at some point, okay? I'm not saying if it, it, it will, but that's what some people's impressions are, okay? And people are like, okay, we're getting to that point that's uh, closer. We're getting closer and closer to that point. 
Again, not my claim, okay? Um, so given that, the regime would want to show that it has teeth, okay? It, mm -hmm. Like maybe it can't do much, like it cannot take, um, do much against the United States or Israel. Like they tried to show some power and they failed. So they go after women, <laughs> after, after non-armed uh, women in the streets to show like, look, we still have teeth, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's three... Like they just a, rem a reminder to the people to know your place. Like this is we we be scary, okay? This is a we be scary message kind of thing, okay? So the three points I want to mention is uh, okay. So maybe three or point, four points is that the hijab in Iran is not just the hijab; it's the it's a brand, it's the signature of the Islamic Republic of Iran, right? It's the way to show that we it's basically the Islamic Republic of Iran is saying we are here, okay? Hmm. We 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 have influence here, okay? Um and the hijab has become a foundational um, symbol of the Islamic Republic. Like it's not like it, if you don't have the hijab, like if you don't have the stamp in the streets, it kind of looks like the regime is falling. Okay, like if you if the regime can't, it's not in a position to come and say like, okay, let's make make hijab non mandatory. Okay, because that's a huge signal to everybody is like that we have failed, that we are not able to control everybody the way that we used to. Okay, unveiled it's women is like a sign of anti nationalism. No, like it's an invitation to the opposition to like. Look, mm. it, it, we didn't voluntarily like make hijab non-compulsory, like non-compulsory, right? You 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 managed to force this upon us, okay? So, given that we're that weak, you're, it's an invitation to come at us, right? Um. So, and also the hijab, the enforcement of hijab is a perfect excuse for the government to have eyes and ears everywhere right it's the best tool for a fashion because morality police and you know get their shut and stuff like the the way that they have to enforce this is that they have to enforce this in stores in the banks in restaurants and this becomes and with the excuse of upholding morality you know proper uh, attire for uh, women and even men they they are they're building a surveillance structure mm -hmm. that makes them have eyes and ears everywhere and to have also influence everywhere like if you are in an office and if the government you know like what other excuse do you have for the government to come into your office and watch what's happening in your office or in your restaurant right like if mm -hmm. it's not the hijab then like what the hell are you doing here get the hell out of here like like either there's nothing else for you to check so in order to be able to surveil everything, this is a, like because women are everywhere, this is a perfect way for the government to try to like just be involved everywhere, right? And let me That's see such my a good point. Yeah. Um, the, what I wrote here says our legitimacy. Oh, the, another point is that if if you could if you ad, at some point admit that the women don't want the hijab, the, the people don't want hijab, you kind of ad, admitting that the people don't want islamic law and mm -hmm. if you admit people don't want islamic law 
the whole point of the Islamic Republic uh, is no, you know what I mean? Like it goes away because the point of the legitimacy of why Iran needs an Islamic Republic is because the Iranian people want Islamic law. They want an Islamic country, right? So if you at some point show that that's, that's not the case, then like, why do we even have an Islamic Republic if the people are not wanting an Islamic, don't want an Islamic country, right? So what I wrote is like, our legitimacy comes from people who want Islamic law, and we are the people who bring the Islamic law. If it is shown mm. that people don't want Islam, what is the point of the Islamic Republic? If people are not Islamic, why should the Islamic Republic be in power, right? So mm -hmm. that's another reason why they. So these are the different point the ways I look at. You could look at that. However, there is an opposition to this. Like there are people who are against the regime and think that this focus on hijab is like not uh, good. Like there are some people who say like people are starving in Iran. People are yeah. suffering from poverty. Why are we focusing on hijab? And then I have the counter arguments to those as well. But I think that will take a long time for me too. <laughs> oh, I do want to hear that at some point. Do you think you could do on Secular Jihadists like a deep dive into this event and like its successes and what it, but also failures? That'd be super interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I might, I want to do a short video, edited video on this. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Bunny is saying, I love hearing about women effing the patriarchy. Um, there's one quote I wanted to read from an article in Iran Wire about um, this wave, huge wave of religious crackdowns going on. It's saying, by stepping up the patrols, she said, the government wants to send a message to the people that they're on top of things. A government unable to manage even the country's most minor problems wants to maintain an appearance of power and pretend it's still powerful enough to put down opposition. This has become an inherent trait to the point that if morality patrols and compulsory hijab went away, the Islamic Republic would cease to exist as well. And I think that goes to what you were saying. And that speaks to this is so much about so much more than Islam. This is about targeting the heart of the Islamic Republic itself. It's very legitimacy. And so the people, I don't know, I just hope that they get a lot of momentum from this campaign and that they garner a lot of support because it's about so much more than what you put on your head. It's about the benefits that it's about the government's ability to exert gender apartheid upon the population. Um, and this is why we all say hijab be hijab. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, actually, yeah. It's very yeah. interesting because a lot of religious people in Iran are, becoming more and more against compulsory hijab because mm. they said like you have made people not just by making hijab compulsory you have made people many people not just against compulsory hijab you have made them against hijab okay and the polling shows that i believe it's the majority of iranians are against yeah. hijab period like the campaigns used to be like no to compulsory hijab that's what the campaigns used to be okay now the campaigns are screw hijab, like f the hijab, like I hate the hijab. If like the campaigns used to be like don't first Islam upon us, now the campaigns are like I shit on Islam, 
like literally like that's what like so a lot of religious people are like what are we doing we're making people hate us all <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like yeah but but guys that is like the campaigns now okay like campaigns used to be like people um that's that that, that 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 those are the new hashtags okay so people are becoming more and more radical and aggressive okay and a lot of religious people are like for the sake of you know not you know for the sake of islam can we not force this upon people <laughs> some people some is some religious people are for the love of islam we've got to cut this out <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. um yeah I'm really excited to see where this movement goes. Forever Stormy is asking, are the high officials in Iran actual fanatics or is it a way for them to stay in power while they and their kids drink wine? What do you say? Well, the high, well I say the high officials are multiple. Like, Okay, it, one problem is that the high officials are a lot of people. <laughs> okay, so I don't know exactly who you're referring to, but given that there's so many people, I would say both. Okay. Like the, the um, I, I'm sure there's like a whole like a spectrum of these uh, people that uh, and there's a lot of people on either end and a lot of people in the middle, right? Um, so it really depends, and I don't think like we should guess. But I mean, I mean, I don't, we can't guess. I don't think we should pretend to know because it's not really hard, easy to figure out what people's uh, minds are like. Okay, but uh, some of them have shown to. Um, prove that they like almost prove that they genuinely believe in this stuff and some of them have also been indicated be, uh, have done behavior to show like they don't actually have almost zero Islamic views and this is all it's just a power play so I think we have you have both of them like I don't think like I don't think you can make a general uh, comment about all of them So I think we should move to the next news. This one was very surprising to me. Well, Is I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah, we can clap. Hey, Qasem is here. Qasem, you missed the Iran news. No, we uh, have a lot more Iran news later. Okay. Uh, can we clap for this one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Next news. Next news. Hindu nationalist IT cell leader removed for comments against Islam. On July 7th, Arun Yadav, a leader in charge of an IT cell, which is a cyber unit responsible for spreading propaganda, um, representing the high the Haryana State Unit of India's BJP uh, ruling BJP party, was removed from his position due to old tweets, quote unquote, offending Islam. It is speculated that the BJP expelled Yadav because of a controversial tweet that he made against Islam in 2017, which roughly translates to, I see the prophet in my liquor. And it also contains like a picture of the whiskey next to the Kaaba. Um, critics accused Yadav of insulting Prophet Muhammad and Islam and spreading hatred. There was an out online campaign on Twitter that demanded that Arun should be arrested for his controversial statements. BJP State Secretary Gulshan uh, Bhatia declared Yadav's removal from his position via an official statement. However, he is still a BJP party member and was not arrested, nor has anyone filed a complete police complaint against him. Many compared Yadav's case with that of Alt News co-founder Mohammed Zubair, who was arrested on June 17th for a tweet he made in 2018. 
Numerous people said that the two men received disparate treatment. Zubair was arrested for allegedly hurting Hindu religious sentiments, yet Yadav hasn't faced any legal consequences. So I thought this was a fascinating story because I can't believe that a BJP ITSA leader was fired for comments against Islam. Like, <laughs> this is how you know. Th I feel like this whole Nupur Sharma blasphemy um, fiasco has the BJP acting like a, like a kid, like in the corner, rocking back and forth, just like, just make it stop. Like, they were so quick to get rid of this guy for something he tweeted in 2017. Okay, so this is uh, like the Hindutva gang noticing that this whole blasphemy game is a double-edged sword, right? <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is like you guys you just made your bed and now you have to lay in it okay like how do you how do you like how do you like blasphemy laws blasphemy standards now right because the for people who don't know like the hindu it cells these are the people who came after us and attacked attacked us and spammed us and eventually took down our twitter accounts right harassed us and they harassed us. us yeah came after my family like made a deep fake uh, porn of my mother, of female members of my family, including children, um, and basically harassed them to the point of like, like it was insane. Like you have no idea. Like I've never seen this level of harassment from any other community. Okay, uh, but they were so proud of it as well, right? And also, they, um, me and Susanna have a lot of FIRs filed against us, a lot of police uh, reports against us for blasphemy calls for our arrests um so many calls for our arrests um and like oh this is insulting and all but these are the same people who are extremely aggressive against islam while demanding people respect you know their religion and now <laughs> and now like okay this is these are the standards you're like these people you know um you wanted blasphemy laws you wanted people to be punished for disrespecting religions now the same standards are now being turned on you. And how do you like that? Like, right? This is this is. I mean, maybe maybe Hinduism is correct. Maybe like there is such a thing as karma. Okay, so I don't know. But hey, look at this is the tweet. So I don't. This is like this is so mild, by the way, right? Like yeah. if you like in 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 India where Hinduism is a dominant religion, okay, and there's so much anti-Muslim bigotry, okay, you could get in trouble for something this mild like look at it this is nothing it's, like i don't it, I... it's no it's the the hindu nationalists like throwing out their own people over this yeah. i know but like, like this still shows like the pressure of islam man <laughs> like, yeah that's that's another point like look at like islam like you no chill okay like you guys you know forget about drawing muhammad you have like whiskey next to the kaaba with a caption saying, I see the prophet. I mean, this is what the Sufis, the Islamic Sufis say. Like, how is this? A, like, honestly, I would be defending these guys if they weren't such hypocrites, okay? Because, like, do you know how many Islamic Sufi poetry it is, there exists about, like, seeing God in the, in your alcohol, you know, at the bottom of the glass of wine or stuff like that? This, this is whiskey. They, they usually talk about wine, right? But this is, like, nothing, this what is this how is this even insulting okay but if you could get trouble for this 
And if this is the standard you're setting, do you know how many other, you know, Hindus have had like a history of saying a lot worse things about Islam than this? And what you're opening yourself, because this conflict between Hindus and Muslims could escalate in the future. And you guys are like, if this is the standard you're setting, there's going to be a wave of like, I don't know, the police are going to be busy, <laughs> like with over the like mile over the mildest things. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know. I just I, I just think like we should encourage Muslims in India to file FIRs against this. Like, you know, why aren't you? They keep filing FIRs against anybody who says the mildest things against Hinduism. Why is this going? Where is the consistency? Right? You should well, like. I don't I, think. I, I, I don't. <laughs> well, the, this is actually the problem is that these laws are allowing for just retaliatory action against communities. It's I like know, the but they means, started the it. means through which you exert that through state powder power. Hmm. Like that's so crazy. Like yeah, I, but you showed it. This yeah, it allows it to escalate. Like these need to be removed and repealed urgently. Okay, but Susanna, my point is that you will show the ridiculousness of all of these by making them by by giving them a taste of their own medicine okay i kind of feel like some muslims could um in india could basically have, uh, play the same role as the satanic temple in the united states right so you have like violations of secularism in the united states and the satanic temple comes in and tries to use the same standards to scare scare the christians They're like okay secularism please today right like i don't want like I don't want satanic, te- you know, satanism be taught in schools and stuff like that. And I think like maybe we could get the Hindu majority in India to come up against blasphemy laws when they notice that they can't, their their people are they're going after their people over blasphemy, right? So maybe we could like appeal these blasphemy laws by like, hey, if you want to have blasphemy laws. This also applies to Islam. You can't just have it over Hinduism. You can't just protect Hinduism with blasphemy laws. I don't know. It might work. I don't know. But um, somebody Higgs Boson in the live chat is saying they are filing FIRs. Are they? Is this something based for this guy? Based on the reports that I have read, they did not report any legal action taken against uh, Arun Yadav at the time of publication. Look at read this. Uh, Mogambo is saying they are doing this because they have put anti BJP journalists in for less. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that was the whole point. People were comparing this to Mohammed Zubair, who was initially arrested for a tweet he made in 2018, which you know was apparently offended Hindu religious sentiments so much. And then since they've slapped him, I know he's been hit with a lot more charges, but their initial excuse for why they pulled him in immediately after he pointed out what Newport Sharma did that caused this international diplomatic crisis. Like it's clearly in retaliation for him drawing attention to that. And they used offense to Hindu religious sentiments as the excuse to do so and then pursue further charges. Yeah. So I just think, and then, and then it feels like, and then they go after, you know, BJP IT cell to get back at him. And go back and forth, like all these Muslim religious leaders calling out this this IT cell leader. Like, it just it seems so toxic to continue to find scapegoats from the opposite community to then go dogpile on and judicially harass. 
like okay, read this one uh, uh that oxymoron is saying muslims don't want freedom of speech they got blasphemy laws in the first place uh partly you know, parody hurts them <clears throat> okay so but oxymoron i don't know why you're still after all this time you're still incapable of not generalizing okay muslims don't want like can you not can you try to learn to be not not have this collectivist mindset like i don't know how hard it's not that difficult okay i believe in you you can do it okay try harder all right yeah i just think that it's of the utmost importance that these areas of the penal code are reversed i don't know what it would take or what how you would have to go about abolishing this within India, but I really am coming further and further to conclusion that it's just necessary for the social well-being of the nation. I know there would probably be huge freaking protests and riots if it was abolished, but I think it's important. Oh my god, and this next story is... Okay, so yeah, I... <laughs> Clearly, in the pre-statement, I had a lot of criticisms for criticisms for India, but in comparison to your neighbor of Pakistan, things are going great. You're doing great because yes. this story, this next story, is like a oh my god. Yeah, yeah, we we like you're right. Every time, like India, what are you doing? And then we do a Pakistan story, like we India. Look immediately never mind. Door, and I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry I said anything. I'm sorry, <laughs> India. We love you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. <laughs> Keep it up, King. <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> oh my God! Can we clap for this? Yes, because this is insane, and no one got hurt. This is insane. Okay, <laughs> okay. this is Pakistan one, right? I have it right. I have the one right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, next news. Next news. Blasphemous QR code sparks... Wait. Is this the wrong one? No, I, I probably... Okay, I'll, I'll do it. Shoot. I pulled up the wrong one. I put them in it's the It's okay. Wrong Let me get the QR code one. Okay. Oh, okay. This is... Otherwise, the other one is, like, not that funny. And okay, happy. okay. But I shouldn't right. be reacting to that. Okay. All right. Next news. Next news. Blasphemous QR code sparks protests and vandalism in Pakistan. Protests began on July 1st after a Wi-Fi device was installed at Star City Mall in Karachi and a QR code on the billboard of the Samsung mobile company was declared blasphemous and insulting to the Prophet Muhammad by a group of believers. The mob burned the mall property, wrecked the electronics store, and some even attacked Samsung's staff. The Karachi police arrived and arrested 27 individuals who were employees of Samsung. Oh my god. Wait a you second. You can't make this up. Wait, okay, hold on, hold on, just a second. So they found the blasphemy in the QR code, right? Uh -huh. like they found, what was it in the QR code that was I, blasphemous? Some sort of insult to Muhammad or his messengers. Okay, okay. They okay, so they they saw in the patterns of the QR code, they saw blasphemy, and these insane people come and like remove the billboard and like attack the store and harass all these Samsung employees. And the police shows up, and the people they arrest are the Samsung employees. 
Yes. For the crime of having a QR code that has a blasphemy in it? Yes. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Are you serious? This is a joke. This cannot be real. Did you verify it? Did you okay, verify No, it? I need to I need to continue the okay. The police, understanding the gravity of the situation, went further and switched off all the Wi-Fi devices in the mall. Samsung, Samsung Pakistan, issued a statement saying, with reference to the recent developments in Karachi, Samsung Electronics stands firm on its stance that the company has the utmost respect for all religious sentiments and beliefs and holds the religion of Islam in utmost respect. Samsung said that? Yes. Okay, they said wow, that they okay. hold the religion of Islam in the utmost respect. In a okay. similar Im- incident last December, a Pakistani man alleged that PepsiCo had printed a QR code with the name of the Prophet Muhammad on its 7-Up bottles and threatened to burn down the truck driving the bottles. So, okay, this story is like, I don't even... I can't even deal. I can't, this is like I don't even know how to get into this levels of this I have, is great. I, like this I I it makes me yeah. I had the same reaction like this can't be real. Oh that look, that look, the I, picture is on the seven up bottle. Okay, so look, look, this is the QR so this the this is the truck that they attacked. I don't know how they found this. Like they were they just going looking at the QR codes, right? So this know. is this was an earlier story. This is not the Samsung one, like just for people to see how ridiculous this is. Look at the QR code. You see this part of it looks like Mohammed. This is l- like just accidentally. Yeah, this is this is Muhammad. Look, this is meh. This is the hair. This is meh. And this looks like doll. I mean, it looks like a Frankenstein version of the word Muhammad. Oh like it's God. like a mutilated one. But it still roughly looks like Muhammad. But how is this blasphemy? It's just a prof- it's just Muhammad written Muhammad. It's not like it doesn't say it's anything insulting against Muhammad. It's just the word Muhammad, even if it, you know, accident. Anyways, I don't know. How, I how guess to works. be sold and commodified or on something that you will throw away. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is so yeah. crazy. I like, how do you even talk about this? I don't even know. There's so many levels to unpack, like the fact that they arrested the Samsung employees. That's one. That's crazy. The and and then the the Samsung statement itself was crazy. Samsung had to say come out and say that that they hold the religion is, of Islam in the utmost respect. <laughs> like, is this man? Is this front guy at the protest? Is he wearing a QR code on his head? And you know, his, <laughs> no, that's like. <laughs> That's a stock image. <laughs> I know, I know. And okay, um, okay. Wow, they they actually they they removed the bill. They attacked the billboard. Oh yeah, uh, there were people outside. Oh yeah, play this video. This is crazy. Okay, okay. Let me see if you have audio. Okay, tell me if you have audio. You have audio? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my god, they're moving on the billboard. It's like over, a, over a QR code. Are you serious right now? Look at this. 
what are companies are gonna gonna do? They're just gonna not have QR codes from now on in Pakistan. <laughs> any randomized general pattern, you have to be careful because any if you have anything that is like if you're make if you're making carpets, if you're making QR codes, if you're making anything that revolves with complicated patterns, you have to be extremely careful because you have no idea how, what the chances of any of them looking like Allah or Muhammad is like you know is going to be a Put your life address. <laughs> but why? Okay, but they, would they burn one of these billboards? Like, if the billboard has a QR code on it, aren't you afraid of burning the name of? They Muhammad basically on? did burn one of these billboards. Okay, so okay, they burned a, and the billboard had a QR code on it. Okay, so, okay, I don't know if it was the billboard with the QR code that was burned, but I did see these signposts that were pulled down. Where was the QR code? Okay, here's the thing that's not very clear. Like, some sources kind of describe it as a billboard, and some sources describe it as a Wi-Fi device. So I think maybe it was some sort of billboard for Samsung that advertised a Wi-Fi device where it's like, maybe like, scan this QR code to log in or see the full offer. Mm. That kind of thing. That's kind of <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to give up on Pakistan, but they're making it very difficult. Oh, this is the Samsung statement. Yeah. Um, okay, what is yeah, this Yeah, now video? people want to boycott Samsung. No, that's not, you, you can't do that. You have to break your, you know, every, every, every Pakistani Muslim, okay? If you have a Samsung, <laughs> if you are a true Muslim, you will record a video of yourself destroying your own property okay show how much you love the prophet if you don't like if you're committing blasphemy if you don't this you are taking the side of the devil you're the side of iblis your side of kof your side of blasphemy if you own a samsung in pakistan you have taken the side of the enemies of islam okay it's been very clear that the samsung is a company that is promoting blasphemy in pakistan they're trying to come at your religion they're trying to weaken your faith and you have to show your dedication to Islam and your love for the Prophet by showing every every single one of you, showing us that you're breaking your Samsung phones, okay? If you don't, you know, you have to pay for it in afterlife, okay? And other people should come. No, never mind. Look at this. They're like removing. Oh, my God. Describe oh, my what we're God. Watching. Yeah, the shop owner, you know, they're they're paying for this with their own... Livelihood, the shopkeeper mm -hmm. who sang Samsung is removing his own Samsung product. Like, okay, just okay, just stay ported. I guess I don't know. Look, they're removing all the Samsung posters. Okay, sure. Sure. You know what? Enjoy your poverty. What is wrong? With you? Samsung owns like something around 23% of the handset market within Pakistan. So get I out of the market. Samsung, like everybody, com major companies, get out of Pakistan. Look, this is how they treat you there. Like it's not worth it. Investors, Pakistan is not good for investment. Okay, look at this. And it's only going to get worse. Okay, pull your money out of Pakistan, put it in India, invest. Anybody who's invested in Pakistan, <laughs> invested in India. Okay, take your money out of Pakistan, invest. <laughs> India is the future. 
इन्वेस्ट इन इंडिया commit blasphemy using a QR codes, please. Yeah. Damn, Armin, we need to print t-shirts with blasphemous QR codes. I'm going to get a mug printed with a blasphemous QR code. This is actually a really good idea, Stormy. Like, this is, you had, I need to write this down because she has the but vision. The she has yes. the vision. You know, the issue is that I want to make a, a blasphemous QR code that works. Like, you actually... But and it would take you to the blasphemousart.com website. But you can't do that because QR codes are generated like randomly. You can't decide the pattern. And I wish these people knew that. Like nobody can decide. Like no. the people who generate the QR code, they can't decide what it's look what it ends up looking like. Right. So if you actually make a QR code that has blasphemy in it, then the QR code would not work. So how do you do that? Hmm. Hmm. We can figure something out. We can, we figure, can figure something, something out. out. Yeah. One thing that I think is that's actually a very good point that it's randomly generated. So when you look at these QR codes, it's basically like a Rorschach test. And so <laughs> I don't know what it says that people are just like, look, you know, it, I mean, Rorschach tests are discredited, but the idea is that what you identify within an image that was randomly generated says more about you than the image itself. Right. So what is it? What does it say? So to speak, when you look at a randomly generated set of black and white squares and you see an insult to the prophet. Means you're the blasphemy is in your heart. The blasphemy <laughs> is you. You're the blasphemy. <laughs> oh my God. You should do that. <laughs> that's true. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. If you see blasphemy, then you're, you know, that says more about you than the QR code. Good point, Susie. Good point. We have to turn this back on them. Flip it on their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, why are you seeing blasphemy everywhere? Are you secretly thinking of blaspheming Muhammad? Huh? What? That's why you see, ah, that's why you see blasphemy everywhere. It's like you desire it. You desire blasphemy against Muhammad. That's why you see it everywhere. In the clouds. Okay, next, next, Pakistan is going to have to use its military to shoot at the clouds, okay? Because they're going to see Muhammad's name in the fucking in the cloud. <laughs> you know, that's the next step, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go against nature. When you used to see, you know, the shape of the clouds in the shape of Allah's name, it used to be mm. seen as a miracle of Allah. Now it's blasphemy. Now that's a signal should, of blasphemy. <laughs> Stuzi, we should have a satire section, satire news on Atheist Republic websites, like, like the Onion, right? Uh-huh. So a serious news section and then a satire news section. And then we could have like, you know, news could be like Pakistan uses his military to shoot at the mountains because people noticed the name of Muhammad in the mountain. And now they're like attacking. There's a war. The snow the melted to reveal like a rock shape that looks like Allah's name. So now they got to shoot yeah. the mountain. <laughs> now they're going to shoot the mountain. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> 
Wait, but actually, yeah. that'd be a problem because then you'd be shooting oh, a lot. Oxymoron was thinking the same thing. Go. No, but they're doing the same thing. Like they're like. I know. They, I, I, mean, I don't know. Like I, I think. By the way, to be fair, guys, I don't know if any of this is Islamic. I think I think these these I think these people are just like spun I mean, into this, radical absurdity. Yeah, I, I don't think they are making. I don't think they're making sense to like they don't. Nobody cares anymore. Like just get. Just get angry. <laughs> like some something something Muhammad. We're angry. Like why? Like Muhammad something. I don't know. Like just burn something down. Kill somebody. Burn something. We're angry. Like we're just like I think this is actually, you know what? I was joking, but I think that's what it is. Like Pakistan is in such a bad situation and people mm -hmm. are just like furious regardless. And they're just trying to express that. Okay. So if you just you're just waiting for the next person to be just like Blasphemy! Yes, blasphemy! Girl, like, yeah! like you know what I mean? Like, I just think they just so, they just need, they just everybody is just so pissed and so upset and so sad and so full of rage because it's a, it's almost a failed state now. I don't know. I mean, I'm, yeah. I don't want to say that because if it's an actual failed state, it would be the first failed state with a nuclear weapon. But we're in trouble. One, but yeah, we're in trouble. So, anyways, hey, this is bad. Okay. I mean, I don't want India, I don't want Pakistan to fail, okay? Because I don't know who's going to be able to access these nukes if Pakistan fails, okay? But this is bad. This is horrible. I don't think Pakistan will fail. I don't think the United States would let it fail. That's why. By the way, this mm. is why, Susanna, you, your tax uh, money is going towards uh, Pakistan's army, okay? Because they have mm -hmm. nukes. And the world cannot talk. Thank you, by the way. But guys, everybody here, thanks, Susie. Okay? Because it's it's not my tax money that is going towards upholding Pakistan. It's not your tax money that is going to upholding Pakistan. Thanks, say thank you to the Americans. You're welcome. No, thank, thank you, Susie, for not letting like, these nukes go into the hand of, like, just any random... The radical. TLP, the TTP. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Susie. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So let's go to the next news. This is more Pakistani blasphemy drama, but this one is actually quite sad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, this one. Okay, look at the screen. Is it that one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Uh next news. <laughs> Wait, secular rarity is saying who knew Susanna was pre preventing nuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, you too, secular rarity, all of us. You know, all of us Yanks, all of us Americans. Yeah. Oxymoron is saying no, Pakistan will be fine. Yeah, I mean, te it, technically, I mean, it would be fine for the rest of the world. It's not fine for Pakistanis, okay? But it will be fine because of because of America, because of the United States. If if United States was not there, Pakistan would not be fine, to be honest. Um, I mean, right now, I, I'm not talking about what they did before, because technically they kind of ruined it, but now they're also keeping it anyways never mind um next news okay next news pakistani christian sentenced to death for saying jesus is supreme in 2017 ashok uh, masi a pakistani christian man was sentenced was arrested for allegedly insulting the prophet muhammad by saying jesus is supreme ashok was a mechanic by profession one of his Muslim customers had demanded that he, uh, that Ashfaq not charge him for his services based on religious grounds. 
Osfuck replied that he did not share his customers' religious beliefs, and he said that only G he only believes in Jesus and he would not waive the payment. The argument escalated, and eventually the police came to the scene and arrested Osfuck. Um, since then, he has been in custody, so for um, like five years. On July 4th, he was sentenced to death for blasphemy, despite numerous court irregularities and without solid evidence. Massey's lawyer stated, quote, nowhere in the recorded testimony of the F or FIR or police, police complaint is there any mention of the alleged blasphemous words. The claim of blasphemy was added only after Osfak uh, gave his statement to the police. According to the National Commission for Justice and Peace data, 176 Muslims, 501 Ahmadis, 229 Christians, and 30 Hindus were booked for blasphemy from 1987 to 2018 in Pakistan. Wait, if he wasn't originally arrested for blasphemy, what was he arrested for? That wasn't clear. It was like he was brought in to give a statement because he was having a dispute with his customer how is it insulting prophet muhammad for saying jesus is supreme how is that insult so muhammad? this is actually a very you dialed into actually a very important part of this case is that what's unusual about this man's case is that he actually didn't say anything against muhammad he didn't say anything about islam he didn't Simply even mention when his, when his customer was pressuring him to not charge him because he's a Muslim, he was basically explaining, like, I'm not a Muslim. Like, he, there's numerous things he's alleged to have said, something along the lines of, like, Jesus is the only prophet, or, you know, Jesus is, the, like, the supreme one that I follow. So basically, but especially if he basically said, Jesus is the only prophet then that is, by definition, challenging the prophet of, of Muhammad and his final seal. Well, I mean, and by that standard, just being Christian would be like, okay, by that exactly. logic, just being like, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, well, then you don't believe in the prophet. Like, but being a Christian means that you don't believe Muhammad was a prophet. So yeah. the mere, your mere existence would be, blasphemy by that standard yeah. Masi rejected his request saying he only followed Jesus and wasn't interested in Irfan's religious statutes as a Muslim um, wait what was it I don't understand like what request what was the request at that so point like in basically the, he's a mechanic he had a customer who wanted to not be charged not he's like oh don't make me pay because I'm a devotee of Muslim Sufis and saints and why would i get you I, he's what? just playing a game like oh i'm a very devoted man like don't make don't charge me but like, you know like dumb stuff like that like oh yeah i would be like no I, I you i you you made use of my services you're gonna pay me for my services and he's like so he rejected what he asked for and said he only followed jesus i'm not interested in what you do as a muslim so any piety that you have because of your devotion to muslim saints is none of my interest to me that won't sway me you know and mm. basically, he was just saying, he was saying Jesus is supreme was just his way of saying, like, I'm Christian. So, yeah, he was saying he was charged with disrespecting pr 
Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, by alleging that Christ was the only quote unquote true prophet, according to the Morning Star News. Oh my God. So that was it. That was all he had to say for it to be worthy of insult to the prophet. And he is sentenced to death for this. He didn't even say anything against Islam. Is this him crying in the court? Um, I. Th- it's not clear to me. Oh, is this his, no. okay? Blasphemy victim. Ash, this is his name is. Uh, yeah. So it says blasphemy victim. Ash uh, Fak Masih's mother died, and Ash Masih was released by the legal t- uh, team. On parole so that he can attend his mother's funeral. Okay, so he's basically crying over. Yeah, he was briefly released to attend his mother's funeral in 2019. Imagine your mother dying, not knowing whether, like, knowing that your son is on death row. What an amazing country. Or facing a death sentence. Yeah. Because he wasn't sentenced at the time. Good job, Pakistan. You're doing fantastic. Look at you. Are you proud? Are you proud of this country? God damn it. Yeah, Puya is saying, what the actual F? Yeah, it's there are so many things that are so messed up in his case. So first of all, in the actual um, testimony, in the recorded testimony or FIR, there is no mention of the alleged blasphemous words, what he actually said. And then the key witness, this customer that he was arguing with, didn't even show up to trial to testify. Then the prosecutor gave up the primary witness, who was the most relevant to the case, and presented only two out of the total five witnesses during the trial. Even their statements were contradictory. Even though there was no solid evidence against his client, Judge uh, Wazir rejected the argument to give Masi the benefit of the doubt. And he was handed down the death penalty. Okay. What do you you think the judge is like, just this stupid? Or the judge is like... I like to live, so I'm just going to give you the death sentence. Like, do you think, like, the judges do this out of fear of the backlash from the mob? Because I don't think judges can be that stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, mm. I feel like, okay, I'm no a lawyer, but just the sheer amount of irregularities within the the activities of the, the prosecutor, that alone should... Like by my standards of what I'm used to, like that 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 itself is like a mistrial. Like there there's nothing here to try and convict someone on. You just don't have the evidence, but that doesn't matter. So why did the judge still allow this to happen? Why did they continue to go through? I really can't say. I really can't say. And again, he mm-hmm. made no reference to Islam. Obviously, it wouldn't be like, oh no, if he said something about Islam, this is justified. That's not what I'm why saying. Why didn't they? Why didn't just they, to reiterate. Why don't they like try to fight fire with fire? Like, why didn't they accuse the other person of blasphemy? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't she like? Well, because, I mean, Christian Pakistani Christians are treated like dirt. Like, they just simply yeah. don't have the social capital, I believe, to be able to execute something like that. Like, Pakistani Christians are, on average, think- very low class. Okay, maybe like it's so like he was insulting Jesus, and I just said Jesus is like uh, a good guy. I didn't say he was supreme; he was just a good guy. But he was insulting Jesus, and again, Jesus is like a, a prophet in Islam. So arrest him, you know. And he, I, 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 I don't think it know, matters because Pakistani Christians are so economically disadvantaged. 
you know so that's like, and that's how the law works we're like the judge is like oh okay you're a christian and you're disadvantaged so we're just gonna throw the book at you like i don't understand like, it's just well they're like, simply they're they're not compelled they're not compelled to you know care as much you know this is within yeah. the essence of being disadvantaged right um, yeah, so the judges in Pakistan are just like they have no zero objectivity. Is that what we're saying? Like they're just like completely within. I don't know. Okay, all right. Um, we'll look at some. Um, start yeah, some comments. So Oxymoron is saying, "Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Prophet Muhammad think that Jesus was the mightiest of prophets? Is this an Islamic teaching? I'm not aware of this. I don't know if I don't know if he's the mightiest. I just know he was like look." Uh, very positively like he's a masoom like mm. he hasn't basically means like jesus is was completely 100 pure and good and there was nothing about him that was like even tiny bit you know wrong or evil just free right? of sin free of sin yeah uh, a prophet of god um you know so i don't yeah i don't know mightiest i don't know how you i, I don't know if he was mightiest okay but I know that Jesus is looked in very high regards in Islam. That's all I know. Nice. Yeah. Um, and well, it's not nice because Jesus sucks. Well, no, that was just me. Oh. You know, I didn't. I didn't mean that literally. That was just you know being yeah. like, oh, cool, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kenny is saying, I guess if Jesus is supreme, the implication is that Muhammad isn't. So that's where True. the insult lies. I know, but. What, again, if that's the insult, then just being a Christian would be an insult to Muhammad because being a Christian by itself means that Muhammad is not the prophet of God. Okay, so yeah, exactly. You don't even recognize his prophethood. Jesus is the Messiah. Um, <laughs> Forever Stormy is saying so. Basically, the judge is a bitch. <laughs> I mean, you mean, but if by bitch you mean like a coward, like I mean, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want a mob at my house over this, like. You know what I mean? I don't want my, I don't want to risk my family. I, I don't know, Susanna. If you were the judge and you thought like, okay, if I don't give give this person a death sentence, my the mob might show up and like threaten so, my family. Or someone may assassinate me. I don't, I don't would know. You, I don't. I have no idea what these a, motivations were. But would if, you, would you give a death sentence if you to this innocent person, if you, if you thought that your family is at risk, if you didn't give him a death sentence? Oh Jesus, that's hard. <laughs> It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Put you in this. You, you might justify it internally by being like, well, we don't actually enforce the death penalty here. Ah, uh, yeah. The judge is like, these these crazies need to be satisfied. And given that Pakistan doesn't actually carry out death sentences, let me just give him a death sentence so that these people shut up. Maybe that's yeah. a good point. But then yeah. that person and their family go like through hell. It's yeah. really sad. And even if, so I believe that this man has one opportunity to uh, appeal this decision or appeal the sentence um, either before the Supreme Court or the high, the high court or the Supreme Court. Um, but even if he ends up getting acquitted or, well, not acquitted, if his sentence is readjusted and he's released in any capacity, he still has to like flee the country. Like his family mm. still has to flee the country, you know? So yeah, that's what's so sad is that even if by some miracle there is mercy towards him, like there is no peace ever again. True. 
horrible. Um, wait, was there another comment? Forever Stormy is saying Jesus had a virgin birth. Did Mo have? No, Ryan, what did? What did <laughs> Jesus had a virgin birth? What did Muhammad have? Ride a half donkey. Jesus wins this contest easily. Jesus okay. does have better miracles. Okay, I I don't appreciate all these anti donkey attitudes. Okay, because I think <laughs> the mount of no seriously, no, I'm, this is important because everybody makes fun of Muhammad by calling the mount that he was on. They don't call it a half horse. They call it a half donkey. Okay, as if donkeys are inferior to horses. Okay, mm. like it's an insult. But they try, you're trying to insult Muhammad by calling the mount the donkey. What is this anti-donkey hate? I don't get it. Like the donkey. I think it's because creatures. it's like a commoner thing. Like the commoners, oh, okay. they they have donkeys. <laughs> you know, say. people respect. have with a bit more. Yeah, respect <laughs> the donkeys. <laughs> the donkey. Respect the ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Seriously. Okay, I'm actually not joking. Like this is important to me. Like I don't understand why people love horses and the donkeys are just like funny, uh, you know, ridiculous creatures. Okay, you know they're they're very they're they're cute. Okay, and they're very beautiful. Okay, they're not as beautiful as a horse, but okay. <laughs> no, they're adorable. Have you not seen a donkey? Okay, All I right, can see them mind. as cute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh okay, my god, okay. I'm so excited to talk about this news story with you. This made me guys, when I was researching this news today, I started cackling out loud because it's so ridiculous. All right. Oh yeah, this is ridiculous. So we can clap then. Okay. Next news. Next news. Iranian dairy sued by religious authorities for quote unquote promiscuous ice cream ad. The Ministry of Culture and Islamic Guidance in Iran have taken action against a Tehran-based brand, Domino Dairy, for an ice cream commercial that shows a provocative image of a woman. The advertisement shows an attractive woman adding layers of clothing in different colors, white, raspberry pink, and brown, representing the different layers of the ice cream treat. Some media out outlets condemned the clip, saying it portrayed misused women. This term has been used to legally shut down creators and publishers that do not abide by the Islamic criteria, referring to Chapter 8 of the Islamic Republic's advertisement laws and regulations, highlighting the quote-unquote misuse of women. Aside from the deviant content, an objection was made regarding the actress's display of the ears. In Iran, any content of women and men, specifically in the domestic setting, to be aired on media must have clearance from the Islamic Republic of Iran's broadcasting, a state-owned uh, media corporation. Failure to follow the rules and guidelines results in bans, and the responsible advertising group is sever served with penalties. Okay. So, wait, I actually found the commercial. Um, I want to show you because it's so like this is not the this is an older commercial the one that yes yeah, so wait do you want to show so th this is the second time that this company has gotten in trouble yeah this, um, this company is like is bold right because this was the original um oops. this hold on this is the original ad should i play it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And describe it while you're. Okay, so we're watching. Should I? Should we watch it without audio? It's just music, right? Yeah. yeah. So this woman in the car driving a car, and she's smiling, and there, a lot of her hair is showing. This this one doesn't show her ear, so this is you know the ear not showing is like major red. The ear showing is a major red line. Okay, but she's smiling. That's already kind of flirtatious, like in her own, and <laughs> she's a having a fun time. <laughs> She's like looking like smiling. What a horror. Yeah, this this is a, this is an older ad. They got in trouble for this one as well. Yeah. But they went to, they did another ad. Okay. So she's like, it's mostly about wow, she's I can't believe there's an ad that shows this much hair. But I think mm -hmm. the issue is like how she ate the ice cream. Like, look at that. Ooh, that definitely looks like a book. <laughs> like, I think that's what people have. They they remind they are reminded of like oral, like. They try to make it like sexual and like she's yeah. like eating something that looks like a phallus, right? So that's like already her hair is all showing in the back too. Yeah, I think the it's the way that she eats, like she sucks on that thing. Yeah, suck on that. Wait, so like I just this, sent yeah, you the, right the new um yeah, I just sent you the, the new ad in the in Okay, the so this chat. was the old ad that they got in trouble with, and now I think maybe where did you send it to me? In the private chat. Oh, okay. So I think maybe like this company is trying to get into trouble. Um because I think maybe getting to trouble uh, legally is a way. It's an ad. It's an advertising method. It's a marketing that? strategy in and of itself. Oh, maybe. you're right. Maybe. Wait, no, don't right. play the audio. I don't know about the music. Okay, no idea. But yeah, because now look, look, so many people are covering it, right? Hold on, like, so this is an okay. So this one is another. So you see, woman like smiling. an ice cream bar on a stick, oh, and then you see a woman white. Yeah. So the ice cream is all white, and the woman is wearing all white. And then there's raspberries, and now she's wearing covering up. Wait, this is a pro hijab. Like, look, she's the the more covers, the better, right? Yeah. Why? This is Islamic, right? So she's adding covers. So the raspberry is like more clothes, red, and now the chocolate. She's wearing a brown jacket. Yeah, brown jacket. And then she starts eating. What was the issue? So the issue with that one was like the flirtatious eating of the ice cream. I, what about this one? I think it's mostly the ears, right? Like this was an. I mean, in the way she eats it, and she's like smiling. No, I think I think the other one was more like I think like they're like, hey, look, the other one was like kind of like really flirtatious with it. Oh, the other one, one was like yeah, I agree. more. So they're like, we can't get in trouble for this because look, she's just biting it normally and smiling, right? That's all. So they're like, this should be fine, right? But they're like, I think the last one didn't have the ears showing. Look, like these people are clever, right? Because they are kind of trying to see where the red line is. The other one, like they know the ears showing is like kind of a red line, right? So they're like, we covered the ears, but they didn't cover the ears fully. It covers half the ears, right? <laughs> so they want to have, this is a plausible deniability. Like they're like, we, we were covering the ears. Look, it's covered. Like, like oh, are you going to just like, be upset over like half an ear showing like are you guys gonna make yourself the answer is ridiculous? yes <laughs> no yeah are you guys gonna be this ridiculous to be upset about half an ear and they were like watch us Bet. hold our non-alcoholic beer right <laughs> yes we will be as ridiculous as you can and then by the way this one says domino like it says the band 
Domino ice cream ad. So that's the title of this video. It looks yeah. tasty. Puya is saying both are kind of sexy and I kind of want ice cream right now. Yeah. Like okay, it does I'm actually a... look really good. To be honest, I support the Islamic Republic of Iran of going after these ice cream companies because the main issue is not the ear. The main issue is the sugar. Okay. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> so like, guys, don't need ice cream. Okay. Make Make your own ice cream with artificial sweeteners at home. Buy an ice cream machine, get oh the milk, God. right? Get your protein shake, whatever flavoring, and get sweetener, artificial sweetener, so you're not consuming sugar, okay? I mean, yeah, I'm, for once, I'm on the side of the Islamic Republic against Wait, ice cream. I wanna, I war I on ice cream. Yeah, go I want to talk about some other things about what they said about why this is banned and other things that were banned because I lost my mind reading this. Okay, so the spokesman for the headquarters called the commercial an insult to the sublime status of women and that it <laughs> promoted promiscuity. And I thought it was kind of funny because they're like, this is the misuse of women. This is an insult to the sublime status of women. And I, from a feminist perspective, I feel like some people might agree because they're like, look, you're, you're comparing this woman to a dessert to be consumed. And this is objectifying, like blah, blah, blah. But let's let's review some other recent bans because this, just to reiterate how ridiculous this is. But women are dessert and to be consumed. <laughs> <laughs> the Everybody. summer of 2020 was a busy time for Iran's already trigger-happy censors. A TV director told interviewers that state TV had banned images of women eating cucumbers and carrots. Elsewhere, an IRBIB director reported on Instagram that new rules meant images of women eating pizza or anything red-colored or being served tea by men were also out. In November, it was confirmed that the cucumbers banned extended <laughs> to humanoid puppets as well as actual <laughs> humans on TV. So the state censors are like, you know, it was already too slutty to have women on TV eating cucumbers and carrots, but these puppets humanoid puppets eating cucumbers is too slutty as well and so they banned the puppets from eating cucumbers <laughs> okay Oh my god. Okay, I'll continue. It is now unclear what, if anything, women are allowed to be seen eating on Iranian television. There's also been a renewed sensitivity towards the imagined sexualization of animals. <laughs> the year before, state TV rebroadcast an animated ice cream commercial made in the 1990s, but censored the cartoon Dairy Cows <laughs> So I this made me lose my mind. We need to unpack this. So they were re-airing re an old commercial of an animated cow. But this time they had to censor the cow's udders. So let's... So what does that mean? The purpose of the, the censor is to prevent temptation and preserve chastity, right? So by censoring the cow's udders... The implication is that they think that people are going to get sexually aroused <laughs> by the cow's tits. What the? And this is what the state 
the government is exerting its energy on. <laughs> like, Do we have a picture of the 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 thing that the one the the one censored? Um, I might be able to find it. Just a sec. Um, so, yeah. So what about people in, working in farms and milking cows? Like, are they getting aroused all the time? Is that or what the authorities they... believe? Hmm. This is what we have to ask ourselves. Amazing. <laughs> Can you show? Is there any picture? <laughs> this person is saying, so pets have to cover their aura. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Let me actually, I have something. I, I want to do a test. I'll be right back. I'll, I'll bring <laughs> People something. are like, they censored the cow. And Corden is saying aubergine. So like eggplants are going to be banned next. <laughs> oh my God. I think. Okay. I have a, oh, I have a question. Uh -huh. I don't know. I have a question. Is these, This is a female dog. Okay. Yeah. These are her tits. Okay. <laughs> like these are. These are is this is this ban worthy in Iran? Do you like these this? Are, <laughs> Hold this up to the authorities. You like this? <laughs> hey Willis, you like this? These are female female tits right here. Should okay. we be averting our eyes? <laughs> cover up, Pucci, cover up. What are you doing, you slut? <laughs> It's so crazy. You can't make this up. Armin, what do you think about these these recent bans, these censors? I, mean, I don't know. I'm lost for words. I mean, this is like even ridiculous based on even Iran standards. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Secular Mary is saying, I mean, I'm not aroused, but I do want to scratch that belly. <laughs> Oxymoron is saying, I, need, I should have asked for consent. Sorry, Pucci. I Dora not have to say doggy. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I, I I when I was researching this, and then they brought up the fact that they censored the nipples of the cow. I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, oh wait, I think I might have found I found the cow commercial Armin. <laughs> okay, okay, let's see. Share, share your screen. Wait. Okay. Oops. Okay. Oh, I'm messing it up. I'm messing it up. Okay. And share audio. Okay. Cool. Wait, there's music. If there's music, be careful. Um, it's just like talking. I can mute it though. Okay, okay. No, no, then don't mute it so I can translate. <laughs> this is a bad end. Oh, that's <laughs> a calf nursing from the udders haram <laughs> 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 
Okay, so I mean, obviously, this isn't censored, but I guess they took this old commercial. Okay, and so it. I don't like this. I, I actually am. I have an issue with this ad. Okay, this is such bad. Okay, so yeah, the 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 showing cow tits parts, um, <laughs> censoring that is ridiculous. Okay, but the ad is targeting children. I, I'm sorry for being picky about this, but this is really bad. Okay, this is actually harmful to children. Okay. The cow was drinking from her, her mother's milk, okay? And then they were taking milk from, you know, there was these pumps that were taking milk from the mother as well, okay? And then they went and took the milk and they converted it to ice cream. And the baby cow went and checked to see what did they do with the mother's milk, mother, her mother's milk. And then she was having the ice cream and the mom said, like, come back, have your milk. And she said, no, thanks, mom. The ice cream is better. And then they went to the oh, <laughs> and it went into a living room of like people with like ice cream and she's like the ice cream is better right mm -hmm. so it's telling children that ice cream is better than milk like this is like i wish like they actually came were coming hard down on this but not for t cow tits but for promoting <laughs> but for promoting unhealthy living to children this is like the impressionable children like they're like hey don't drink milk eat ice cream this is horrible they should this ad should have been bad, but for should have been bad, but for different reasons. When it comes yeah. to health and but when it when it comes to public health, Armin is an authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, right for um, so. Secular rarity is saying, Oh my gosh, I get it now. That cow was kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one? The mom or the no, never mind. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Because he could get in trouble. Never mind. Right, we should stop. Okay, okay. Oh my god. Mm. I can't believe like government expense goes towards this, but it's a theocracy. It's a fascist theocracy. What can you do? Yeah. Speaking of fascist theocracy, that brings us to our next Iranian news. Okay, let me actually. I have a lot of tabs open. I need to fix all of this. One second. Okay. Secular rarity saying, Armin, so Islam is bad for kids, but let me tell you how dangerous sugar is. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know which one is. Which one do you think is worse, sugar or Islam? I would vote right now, sugar, to be honest. Okay. Um, Honestly, I think you're right. Yeah. Strictly speaking. I mean, yeah, sugar is killing more people than Islam. So uh -huh. sugar is worse than Islam. The real okay. terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Okay. Um, let's unhighlight this. Can we uh, do I have the right news up? Um, yes. Okay. Can we clap? Um, we don't like this, but let's clap. Next news. Next news. Iranian filmmakers arrested in rapid succession amidst religious crackdown. The escalating arrests of some of Iran's most prominent cinema figures have sparked fear amidst the country's ongoing wave of brutal crackdowns. First came filmmakers Mohammad Rasulov, or Rasulov yeah, and Mustafa Al-A Ahmad, who were detained in early July. 
On July 8th, they were arrested after posting statements demanding that the Iranian security forces, quote, lay down their weapons against civilians protesting the collapse, uh, protesting against the collapse of a large building in Adaban that killed dozens earlier this year. Then on July 11th, Jafar Panafi, uh, no, Panafi, yeah, no, Panahi, sorry. Uh, then on July 11th, Jafar Panahi, one of the most influential Iranian filmmakers, was taken into custody. He was arrested after he went to the prosecutor's office with his colleagues and lawyers to investigate why his fellow filmmakers were incarcerated. Panahi, Panahi's wife, uh, Tariye Sayadi, said Jafar has some rights as a citizen. There's due process. To imprison someone, they need to be summoned first. But to imprison someone who is protesting outside the jail raises a lot of questions. This is a kidnapping. In 2010, Panahi, along with Rasulov, was handed down a six-year sentence by a Tehran court accused of supporting anti-government propaganda. They were also banned from making movies for almost 20 years and were barred from leaving the country. Yeah, so the crackdowns are increasing in Iran. This is like a wave of the environment are, is becoming more like for people have to understand that this is not normal. Like um, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just another day in Iran, another journalist or another filmmaker being arrested. No, it's being it's becoming a little bit. No, a little bit. In the past couple of weeks, it has become more intense. They're going after non-hijabis. They're going after filmmakers and journalists. I don't like. There's some. A lot of people are being arrested. Like, um, as the tolerance has been reduced in the past couple of days, and you know, this month has been really bad. And even within like the people we speak to. You know, there's a lot of you hear a lot of noises from activists within Iran. Like what we're hearing is like, you know, right now situations are, are getting worse and people need to be more careful about their activity online. I don't know. You know, a lot of people are trying to guess what the reason is in Iran for like an increase in the crackdowns and the arrests and the oppression and the silencing and it might be because they're afraid and they're like trying to show power they're trying to show that they're still in control because a lot of a lot of opposition groups a lot of anti-regime people in iran uh, might uh, see um lack of enforcement as a sign that the regime is incapable of enforcing right and see an opening uh, see a way for them to like okay this is the time that you go for the throat right so i think this is this might be that it's been theorized that this is this could be a way for the regime to tell to put everyone in their place to remind everybody that if they want they could come for all of you like don't think like oh if there's too many of us there's so many people like it, susie like in the past in last month and the months before it I was hearing from a lot of people in Iran, like, it's just too many people now, right? There's just so many people that are against uh, the regime and so many people that are even against Islam. And there are so many people that are just so openly anti-regime and just anti-Khamenei that you can't put a lid on this anymore, right? Because you remember, like, we were surprised, like, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, people weren't, like, chanting, you know, they were chanting against the regime, but not against Khamenei himself, or they weren't this radically saying things against Islam, right? 
And now we're seeing it all over the place in Iran. So people are like, this is not because they're tolerant. This is because they just are unable to control the masses as much as they used to, right? So now that the entire regime in Iran has become put in the hands of the hardliners and they have full control over everything, and more people have this narrative like, they, okay, yeah, there's just too many of us, so that's why they can't enforce, do full enforcement everywhere. Maybe now the regime is trying to remind everybody like, <laughs> no, let me remind you who's in charge here. Right, so this is this might be why there there's a wave of new artists. There's another theory. Here's another conspiratorial theory. Okay, because I don't know if you know Tajzadeh, which is one of the leading figures on the reformist side, was also recently arrested. Okay, he's a very important person. That's right. For the reformist side, right? And a lot of some people are like, why are they arresting a reformist? The reformists have been like are irrelevant now. Okay. Um, and he Tarzada had a recent debate on Clubhouse, uh, and uh, which was very was talked about a lot. And some people are saying it was in reaction to what he said in that Clubhouse discussion that he was arrested. Mm. Um, but another theory, a conspiratorial theory, is that the regime is afraid that they, that they, that, they, that they, the politics have become too much, too one sided. Right, it's too much in the hands of hardliners, and they don't anything that goes wrong because the reformists were perfect for the hardliners. Because when things went wrong, they always blame the reformers, the reformists. They're like, oh, like it was because of them, because and now they don't have anybody to blame, other than the United States, like you know. But anything that happens internally, if something goes wrong, like you're like you guys are in charge, like you have no one else to blame, so you have to take the responsibility for this, right? And also, because there's no reformists, it's hard to convince non-anti-regime people, like it was hard before, but it's even harder now to convince them to have some hope and come out and vote and support. Like, they think, like, it looks too, like, it was always a fascist government, but it's, like, now so more obviously so, like, a, a fascist government, right? So some people say that they're arresting so a lot of people who are anti-regime, they don't care about hardliner or reformer. They like see them all as the same. They have mm -hmm. given up on every, all of them, okay? And they say they're all on the same side. This whole reformist hardliner is a fake, you know, like it's it's a it's a it's a controlled opposition kind of situation. The reformers, right? And they say like because well, the they're both people... inherently pro-regime. Yes, yes, yes. But like the reformers, like gave, at some point gave give um, some hope to some people for the regime to be like maybe there's something we could do here. Okay, so some people are saying the regime is arresting the reformists and the people anti-regime to turn them into champions for the people. Like the regime is trying oh, to this actually. Oh, this is conspiratorial. Yeah, so they're saying the regime is trying to promote these reformists by arresting them by putting oh. them giving some power back to the reformists by like saying, trying like, to lionize them so then people will still buy into the idea to, of the regime to a certain like, extent like yeah, giving but, them the false hope of the reformers that was totally eliminated during the previous mm -hmm. round of elections where it, it was just like so obvious they didn't even try to yeah. hide that they were rigging the election yeah, the reformers looked too much like they were in the hardliners' camp, okay? 
for the people to have hope in them. And they're saying by arresting them, they're trying to make them seem more like they're anti the regime, anti the hardliners, right? So that people go back into their arms and make it more seem like an more like a functional democracy that has two sides, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not having that effect. Like, like a lot of people are saying, like, look, these are the reformers that were telling us that we have to have hope for reform, and yet they're not arrested themselves. Their arrest itself shows that there's no hope for reform, and you have to topple the regime. There's like even the mild, like somebody like Tajadeh, when they're criticizing the regime, their their criticism is so mild. And, you know, compared to what we're saying, and even they are arrested. So abandon hope, abandon reform, topple the regime. So. So interesting. <laughs> secular rarity is like, oh, 4D chess type. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, again, I don't know. I'm not saying any of these things. Um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting to consider. Um Forever Stormy is asking or saying possibly because the economy is collapsing like like it is totally like sorry, I can't read today possibly because the economy is collapsing like it is collapsing in a lot of other countries. So they are trying to preempt any protests. Do you think the crackdown is attempted to preempt protests or a try to put the iron fist down after the waves of unprecedented mm -hmm. protests we've been seeing over the past I mean, it's the same thing, Two isn't years. it? Like, yeah, I mean, technically, they're the same thing. Yeah, I think they're trying to show... I think it's it's like it, they have lost control over the narrative. Okay, so if you're not conspiratorial and you're thinking that these arrests are them actually trying to shut down any form of opposition, then it just looks like they have... This is why they're also trying to maybe control the internet and have a Chinese model in in, in Iran, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's just like they're, they're losing over everybody's like they it's so obvious that you know the people are against them like it's apparent even to the pro-regime people that the vast majority of iranian people are, are not okay with the regime right and they're just so they're just so desperate in call, calling the narrative uh, controlling the narrative and they're going with this now but it's not working so i don't know mm -hmm. um yeah do you want to read some type Oh, so no, I want I want you to react to this secular rarity saying it's similar to the far right in the US kind of a last attempt at maintaining power. So they're lashing out. Do you think that that's a good comparison? Because I, I feel like the power of the regime is institutionalized in a completely different way. Like this is not yeah. like a last attempt at maintaining power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were in worse situations than this, and they came out surviving it. You know what I mean? What so would I don't be an know. example of that? I mean, like for example, during the Iran-Iraq War and during mm. the the you know in eighties early revolution when they were they were struggling with the communists, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it used to be their their hold of power used to be a lot more shaky than now, and they came mm -hmm. out surviving all of that. You know what I mean? So. Oh, and also Khamenei had a speech recently, which he said, the God today is the same God of the 60s. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, for 60s, those of us in the Gregorian calendar, that's the 1980s, the bloody 1980s. Yeah. So 
Is that like he, the, the, the God back then is the same God today, okay? And that uh -oh. was a major signal, okay? Uh -oh. It was a major signal. It was two, it was, he, by saying that, he was saying two things at the same time, right? First of all, like, if you think, it was a signal that if you think we're weak now, they used to think about that, us, the same thing back then, all right? And we came out victorious. <clears throat> we came out surviving, okay? But it's also saying that maybe we need to turn back the clock. We need to, maybe we need to go, given that we were threatened back then, and when we were back then, the, the response to the threat was mass arrests and executions, right? And when mass communists, executions. Yes, mass executions. So literally what he actually means is like when he says the God today is the same God of the 60s, oh it means like we are in good, it, it actually means that we're in good hands, right? Like God's plans, like if you think like you're going to undo God's plans, you're dreaming. The same God that protected us then is the same God that will protect us now. Like, if God saw fit to, with with everything against us, if God saw fit to uphold the Islamic Republic, then we have to trust the same God today, right? And maybe we should. And but a lot of people are reading into this and saying he's saying that we should go back to the same methodology of mass arrest. Like now that we're also, how did they survive the sixties or? by St. Gregorian calendar, the 80s. How did they survive it? They survived it by being harsh. Terror. Right? Terror, yeah. So Khamenei is like signaling to his followers that go up, because he, he doesn't, when he, Khamenei doesn't want to accept any responsibility for anything that goes wrong, right? So when he makes a command like this, he mm. doesn't, he's not trying, like, people read between the lines of what he's saying the same way that they try to read between the lines in the Quran. Like the Quran is saying something and so many Muslims mm -hmm. are like trying to come up with different interpretations, right? So when Khamenei talks to his followers, because he doesn't want to, he, he wants to have plausible deniability for any kind of bloodshed, he doesn't tell his followers to go directly what to do, right? He says something like, you know, we have to do what we did in the 80s. And people like, got you. Message got you received. Your message received, Supreme Leader. Yeah, something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's actually terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that was basically what I was going to talk to. I was going to, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. Like, what do you think about people who are, yeah, bringing up, like, we're afraid that the 1980s are coming back? I mean, to be honest, um, <laughs> it's not going to be like the 1980s. Like, that was like, yeesh. Okay, like that was like insane level. Like they were putting people loads of like they were big truck after truck of people um, bringing them and just hanging them like nonstop morning till night, you know, day after day, just hanging people without any due process, without any. It was like it was an insane time, like and a forgotten time. Historic, like it's so in, crazy. Yeah. But that was like a that was genocide. Like I don't know if it's genocide. It was mass murder. It's not genocide because because I don't know if there's any religion or ethnicity was being targeted. But Baha'is were heavily targeted. I know, but like it was basically anti-regime people, right? So it was just mm -hmm. a mass murder, right? and it was mass murder to a scale that is unimaginable. like we can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think it will ever be like that again, right? So, but but again. That's the upper limit of what, they, what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so bad that even the highest officials within the Islamic Republic turned on each other and were like, okay, this is insane. Like, 
like the the mullahs were like we're evil like we're, we're literally like we're like we are we're evil like we're doing evil stuff they like, literally had the like we are the baddies conversation yes are, are, yeah, we, are exactly. we the baddies are they were asking are we the baddies and a lot of them were like yes yes yeah some people are like this was a conversation between the person that was supposed to be the supreme leader after khomeini with the uh the death council which the current president Raisi was part part of and he basically was talking to them we have audio recording of that telling them that history will not be kind on us but he was wrong because history forgot Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell oh, actually, until recently, because a man, there was a man in Sweden that was arrested recently and charged for participating in these crimes in the I'm in the 1980s. Yes. So, for people who don't know, for the first time after all these mass killings in the 80s, there was a man in uh, in Europe that was charged and sentenced to life in prison for his participation in these murders. So I, it's officially legally now recognized for the very first time in history that these events happened. Because up until just a, f- just a few days ago, this was not even officially recognized by any court anywhere in the world that this, these events even took place. So yeah. now it's like a national criminal court. Yeah. And but he was the first yeah. to receive a sentence for this. Yeah, yeah, but like because if, if now for the first time, like you, you're not being conspiratorial, like because every time we talked about this, because mm. it was never recognized anywhere legally that this events happened, wow. people you could like say talking about this could have been just like okay, you're just anti-regime. We don't have any credible source that verifies that any of this happened. But because of this court case of Hamid Nuri, now an independent outside source has put a stamp. You know, which is it's Sweden, right? Was it in Sweden? Yeah, it was Sweden, I think. He was he was living there, yeah. No, the co- yeah, yeah, no, he was trying. No, there. but the courts, the court that tried him is one of the best, uh, most objective courts um, in Western countries. Like, like it's like very, it's a very, the process was very, the methodology and process is is recognized as pretty good by internationally as one of the highest up there, right? So this is a major, major win for people who are on the side of human rights and holding people accountable. Right? But anyways, I, I've gone for too long. No, I. this is what I love talking about. I love talking about this <laughs> right. with you. But, um, we should... Oh, I kind of want to do a Secular Jihadist episode about with you about the the know. trial of Hamid Nouri. Wouldn't that be yeah. so interesting? We should do that, maybe. Holy crap. Okay, but yeah. let's go to the next news. By the way, um, just so we mentioned, the people that were mostly targeted during, just to be fair, during these um, mass murders in the 80s, they were the MEK members, right? So as much as we're anti-MEK, you have to be acknowledged that those yeah, were yeah, the yeah. main victims. Yeah. For yeah. those who don't know, MEK is a like communist Islamic terrorist group from Iran. Well, I mean, we don't know... we. Technically, legally, I don't know if we could call them a terrorist group. This debatable. Okay, I think that Reddit. their acts are definitely terroristic. Whether a okay. state has to declare them a terrorist because of any political will that they can get out of it at the time is irrelevant to me. People can change your designation on a terrorist list any day of the week. That doesn't make you not a terrorist. Oh, yeah. God's time in the live chat is saying they trapped Hamid Nuri. The story of how they trapped him is also very interesting. Okay, okay. okay. All right, can we clap for the next news? Um, 
this isn't a good thing, but we're just talking about some recent new data so we can clap. Next news. Next news. 42% of UK mosques experience attacks in the past three years, a new report finds. A recent report by Muslim Census and Engagement and Development, or MEND for short, surveyed 113 out of the 1,800 mosques and Islamic institutions in the United Kingdom. The report revealed that out of those surveyed, roughly 42% had experienced a religiously motivated attack within the past three years, including four arson attacks. At least 15% of these institutions noticed a rise in the attacks during the height of the pandemic. The episodes were usually accompanied by vandalism, burglary, and at times physical assault of staff. 9% of those surveyed said that they were targeted as frequently as every three months. Data from the UK Home Office revealed that between two, March of 2020 and March of 2021, 45% of religious hate crime offenses were against Muslims. Mos mosque officials and attendees said that repeated vandalism and social media threats had taken a toll on their well-being and the attacks and harassment had a negative effect on their wider community. Um, so this was really interesting to me, this new data. Now, just so you guys know, um, this comes from two organizations. They are called Muslim Census and Muslim Engagement and Development. Um, and they're the ones who conducted this study. So this isn't peer reviewed or anything. Um, but this was very valuable information. I was shocked to learn that between 2020 and 2021, almost half of religious hate crimes in the UK were against Muslims. They were the largest community like to be targeted. Actually, I might need to check that. Yeah, I think, thought Carmen? Jewish I thought Jewish people were the mostly the most targeted. No, I was wrong. Out of I, I have to check in terms of like which group actually was the highest percentage. I don't remember that off the top of my maybe head. That's but in still, maybe that's still nearly half. Maybe Maybe in Europe, the highest is uh, Jewish, but in UK, the highest is... Yeah, between one year. Hmm. Yeah. So what do you think of these statistics? I was actually really surprised about the reported frequency. Mm. Like, how, how frequently is it? Like, I, I'm seeing a 42% rise, but... So, out of oh, the mosques oh, that were surveyed... Wow. Almost okay. half, like 42% had experienced some sort of attack within the past three years. Hmm. And then 9% said that they have episodes of harassment or violence or... Um, and what are we defining know, as every an attack? Three months. There were a couple of different examples. So actually, that's a really good point because when I, I read the report today and they reference... Um, people coming in and stealing items out of people's belongings, stealing people's wallets, stealing donations. No, stealing cell phones, no, that's not. I, I, okay. 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 I'm they they talk that. about that within the same sentence as attack, but then they also talk about burglary separately. So I'm like, okay, just because you're burgled, I don't know. Okay. Okay. This study needs to be analyzed. Okay. Because if, if they're considering robbery, okay, as an attack, then this study might be very misleading because people, because let me tell you, shoes being 
lost or people stealing your stuff in a mosque is a time old tradition, okay? That has nothing to do with an anti with anti-Islam attacks or anti-Muslim <laughs> time hatred, old okay? tradition. Yeah, this is like as old as Islam itself, okay? The first mosque when Muhammad the first mosque was Muhammad's house, okay? And I could tell you that probably someone stole Muhammad's shoes on the very first day that somebody this is like part of Islamic tradition, okay? People steal your stuff in a mosque, okay? So if they're adding that to attack on mosques, then this is going to be very misleading. Like people are like, oh my God, the attacks on Muslims is 42% of UK mosques. This is Muslim. If this is an attack, this is Muslim on Muslim violence, okay? If steal, shoe stealing is an, considered an anti-mosque attack, then this is Muslim on Muslim, okay? The, do not read to... Can somebody look at the study? What they consider? Good thing I ask what they consider an attack because I will. This study would be very misleading if they consider burglary, burglar, but theft, theft as like. Imran is saying yes. Can confirm, Mal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. Okay, so here are some other key findings from their report. Almost half of mosques or Islamic institutions we surveyed experienced religiously motivated attacks in the past three years. So that's what I just said. Um, the most common form of attack experienced by mosques is mosques is vandalism followed by theft. So the number two type of attack is a threat. Okay, this is going to be so misleading. People are going to look at this report. Theft, they they're, they're counting theft. So theft is just people showing up a mask and stealing your shoes and you're like, I don't know, you're like not, you're putting your cell phone somewhere and somebody takes it. And people are going to think like, oh my God, 42%. Guys, this is like, this has nothing to do with attacks on mosques. This is part of going to mosques. This is why you don't wear your best shoes to the mosque. This is why you usually <laughs> just wear... No, yeah, this is why you wear slippers to your mosque. This is why you wear slippers. You go to the mosque with slippers. Okay? Like what? Okay, like... People are going to take these numbers and going to run and be like, oh, look at all these anti-Muslim hate, 42% attacks on that mosque. They're considering theft as a Like, they're making it seem like, oh, in UK, people, they're they're going and stealing your shoes because they're anti-Muslim. Not <laughs> knowing that this is just part of going to, like, this is just a normal experience of going to the mosque. I, yeah. Like, I do, think... Are they stealing because like hi ah, we hate islam like let, let's show these let's show these like far like these muslims that like are they, do you think like christians and atheists are going to mosque and just stealing muslim shoes do they think this is what's happening we got your shoes muslims like how ah, you're trying to invade this country no like i'm by the way i know i know they're uh, they're citizens there i'm just i'm being a bigot here okay like, we show you. Line, yeah. Yeah, you come to our country, we'll take your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you took our culture, we take your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, your idea of how this went down better. <laughs> um, yeah, what's the the rest of the study gets into things like how often the communities that they surveyed reported these incidents to police about their confidence level in the police 
do they think that the police will work with them? And then also about how the the UK government has this payment scheme to help um, religious institutions basically afford security and prevent some forms of harassment, vandalism, or hate crime. Well, and there's like how the government made it has made it too difficult for Islamic institutions or the ones that they surveyed to meet the barrier of getting into this program. Install cameras. Just what, like, no, it's to help push- you pay for them to in the what? expense. Okay, yeah. Can I get some government money? They steal my shoes, like, as well. Okay, like, <laughs> wait, hey, like, like, what is okay? This, like, this is about a lot like, more than just your... stealing stuff though, because there was like there a apple, mom that was stabbed. If there's an apple store next to the mosque, okay, and they somebody comes and steals like phones from the store, does the government come and pay for the apple store security? Yeah, like, yeah, do they yeah. Come and steal? Okay, I don't understand. Just police. Okay. By the way, what percentage of this 42% you said it was like theft? So the first most out out of what they considered thefts, the number one form of theft was vandalism. The second was theft. Okay, okay. And they don't actually tell you what that number is. They Hmm. don't give definitions to what they are considering these criteria. But I'm not saying I'm not saying there's no attacks on UK Mosque. I'm I'm sure like there is and it's horrible. Okay? No, no. I mean we and can I'm find this saying... data in other places. You know we don't have to rely on these. People. Yeah, and I'm not saying and I'm not saying this data is bullcrap. Okay, I'm just saying like just be. I'm just skeptical. I'm just being skeptical. Okay, I'm yeah, just like yeah, I, I need it, to I know it. like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dismiss uh, vandalism or. Um, Darko saying attacks. it feels like this study is religiously motivated. I mean, it is literally produced by two islamic organizations oh my god okay never mind my skepticism has escalated to new levels now okay so yeah look government we have more yeah you need an independent again i'm not saying that these attacks are not large and then i just need i just don't is this one of those studies that starts with bismillah rahman rahim no 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 okay 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 good that would be outrageous. No, I mean, just because like a, a nonprofit institution like produce their own report doesn't make it yeah. totally worthless. Like ex-Muslims in North America put out like an amazing apostate report that's basically the first report True. on ex-Muslims. Yeah, but just you know, so these things are still valuable. Yeah, I'm just saying we need to be skeptical. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not saying throw it away. I'm just saying like hmm, that's all. I'm just going. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> we're not, are we being, are we being ske- selective with our skepticism? Because I don't think we are. I think like we are careful when things are in our favor also to be like, how mm, the other side might say this, you know? Like, I think we do a good yeah. job here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and yeah, and we have the live chat to remind us if we're not being. Um, yeah, read what Dornab had said. Doorknob head is saying, okay, follow the money. Who wrote the report and who paid for the study? Good question. They don't talk about their source of funding. I mean, but presumably Susanna, whoever supports but Susanna is also, Yeah, but Suzanne is also being very fair here, right? She's like, okay, if we're doing that with Muslim studies, we should be doing that for reports by ex-Muslims of North America as well, because 
you know, those people are understanding. We're so fair here. Like, this is the most fair show ever. Like, isn't it? This like, is what you get at Atheist Republic. This is what yeah, you get exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell your friends. Um, can we clap for the next news? Yes. Yes, we can. Next news. Next news. 20% of Americans believe Bible is the literal word of God, a record low. According to a recent Gallup poll, only 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal word of God, a historic low. The last time a poll um, such as this was conducted was in 2017, which at the time found 24% support for biblical literalism. Americans' belief in biblical literalism peaked around 40% in the early 80s, specifically between 1980 and 1984. The study also shows that Americans' perception of the Bible as a collection of fables, legends, and history and moral precepts recorded by man has increased over time. Almost half, meaning 49% of America, now views the Bible as inspired by God, not to be taken literally. The Protestant denomination has the most believers, of which around 30% agree that the Bible is entirely accurate, which is the largest group to have, believe that the, in biblical literalism. Only 15% of Catholics agree that the Bible should be taken as literally as the word of God. In the two, 2017 study, it was noted that highly religious people with the least amount of formal ed education were more likely to believe in the biblical, in the Bible word for word. The study, which has been conducted since 1976, indicates an overall decline in the religious attitudes in the U.S. adult population. These include, quote, declines in formal identification with a religion, self-reported membership in a church, self-reported religious service attendance, personal importance of religion, and a decline in the belief of God. I'm so pessimistic. Because oh, I'm like, 20%, 20%, like, and it was, and it used to be higher. 20% of the most, of the people of the most powerful country in the world, 20% of the people who vote and the result of their voting determines foreign policy on a global scale in a way that no other country does. Like these 20% of the direction of the, you know, of the direction of which the United States is heading and how it leading the rest of the planet in that direction is based on people that think this book is literally the word of God. 20%, one in five one in five Americans think word by word words of the Bible is literally the word of God. Unbelievable. How are we still, how are we still here? Like we just had pictures from space that like is un, that, that is revealing, you know, some of the, the hidden secrets of the universe in, in, in such awe-inspiring ways. We're discovering so many things about the universe. And some of us are still stuck in 2,000 years, you know, like based on the mindset of people that lived 2,000 years ago. Like how is how is like some of the some of humanity growing this fast and the other part of humanity is still stuck? And these are not people in the Middle East. These are not people that are living, I don't know, in 
you know, backward countries. This is supposed to be the world's superpower. 20%. Sorry, I'm being, this is supposed to be good news and I'm making it, turning it into bad news. But I'm, I'm glad that a lot of you in the live chat agree with me. Like a lot of a lot of you in the live chat were like, yeah, 20, what the hell, 20%. Yeah, like, yeah, look, still too many. Uh, Peter saying uh, still too many. Secular writing is saying still way too high, but damn, that's good news. Uh, Dornab is saying 80-20 rules still significant, but a more normal level of significance. Okay. 20% is still too so many people. Yeah. What do you think, Susie? Am I am I being too? Oh, Kenny saying how many of that twenty percent actually read it? Very oh, that's low. a good question. Yeah, basically twenty percent. Yeah. I think so. I was reading. So this was produced by Gallup, you know, so really authoritative polling agency, and yeah. um, I they I think they made a really good point at the end of their segment about this. So they said. Americans' interpretation of the Bible are important because the Bible is often used as a basis for policy positions on moral values and moral and values issues, including such things as abortion and gay and lesbian relations. Some more conservative Protestant groups use a literal interpretation of passages from the New Testament as a basis for their beliefs that women should not be in positions of religious leadership in churches. Gallup's data show that the use of literal interpretation of the Bible as a, of, this is the most important point. Gallup's data show that the use of a literal interpretation of the Bible as the basis or justification for social policy positions will likely resonate with only a declining minority of the overall U.S. population. I thought that was a very significant point. What do you think about that, Armin? Yeah, I was distracted by this comment. Look at this one. Winnie the, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is saying, this is why we need Chinese re-education camps. Well, that's uh, a bit extreme. Is yeah, it's Winnie the Pooh. It's satire. Winnie the Pooh is Xi Jinping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but what do you, Armin, what do you think yeah. about the declining importance about this kind of belief? So as much as you're depressed yeah. that it is still 20%, the good news is, is that this is declining. So yes, as yes, sad yes. as you are, it if yes. things are keep tracking, it will lessen. And that will greatly impact the American domestic landscape, particularly in regards to the things we're dealing with lately. The key word here is if, right? Mm. You say if things keep going in this way, and I think too many yeah. atheists and secular activists think that this is a given, okay? But it's not, okay? May I remind you that the great Enlightenment thinkers um, of the 1800s, 17 and 1800s, thought that religion is almost over, like within, you know, their generation, okay? They would mm. have been, I think a lot of them would have been shocked to come at this time and be like, what the hell? You guys are still dealing with this nonsense, right? So... <laughs> Um, don't be that optimistic because too up too much optimism will lead into complacency and lack of activism. And as much as I, you know, the, the, this progress has been made because of the hard work of a lot of activists, and time is not the only factor, your activity is also a factor here. And as soon as, and the, the problem is that the other side is not just like laying down and taking this, right? The other side understands that they're losing the demographic battle. And they're doing everything they can to reverse this. And given how much control they're having over 
U.S. politics and they're increasing that dominance. You know, they took in over the Supreme Court and like you, you, they might be able to eventually change the process of voting for them to take other branches of the government as well. But the most important part is that they eventually will be able to control the education system if keeps like if politically. Mm-hmm. I know they, it, what we're saying is like they they're losing the demographic battle, but the conservatives and the Christians are winning the political battle, even though they're losing the demographic battle. But eventually, the political battle would lead to a control over the education system, and a control over the education system would lead into the winning the demographic battle. So, if you're complacent, you could this could be easily reversed. So you need to keep fighting. You need to keep like not just winning the demographic battle, but also become politically active and be and build communities and or get together and unite and organize. Okay, secular activists needs to need to become more um, aggressive in their fights for uh, a political battle for the sake of secularism. This is very important. Okay. So don't look at news like this and think like this is a given because a lot of liberals think like time is on their side. They have this misunderstanding of history and they look at history, they think like things are just supposed to become more liberal as time passes. Okay. But that has not always been the case. Okay. We have a lot of examples of things going backwards. Okay. And if you're not uh, careful, things can easily slide backwards in 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 such a, head-spinning fast way that you be like we have plenty of examples like that in history so yeah that's my warning i think that's like a really important point and i appreciate that you've been emphasizing that a lot lately like we can't take these things for granted like there's a quote and i'm gonna butcher it i think it's by thomas jefferson but he basically talks about like once you have your rights once you have your liberties it is your responsibility and your duty to fight to preserve them for as long as you have them and i think that's something that people forget too often yeah i think what happened in the united states when it comes to um women's rights right uh, right to abortion is is going to serve us as a reminder because a lot of people think like you you're supposed to fight um to for rights and get those rights, okay? And they think like it's mission accomplished once you get those rights, right? They don't realize that this is a never ending battle. Once you get the rights, now your job is to continue protecting those rights because mm-hmm. the rights that you have suffered so much and tried, have given so, sacrificed so much into getting can be taken away from you like this, right? So you have to then, after you get them, you have to keep guard to maintain them. Very well put. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Do you have everything ready for the next news? Wait, oxymoron. Oxymoron is saying this is bad news for India and Africa. Missionary organizations will be outsourced. True. Yes. Um, Yeah, this it's a curse. No, I this is a curse. Like um, export exporting Christianity and Islam to. Uh, India and Africa is a curse upon these lands. No, no, it definitely is. I would never argue that. I just feel like they're already outsourced. I don't know if this would particularly fuel it further. I think, no, I think if they get an upper hand, they will. I think they will mm. use, like, yeah. All right. C- can we clap for this next news? Yes, we can. Mm. Next news. 
Next news, new Atheist Republic emojis. So because we have an incredible community of members, every time we gain more members, we are allowed to give you guys more emojis. So this is one reason why I'm encouraging people to become members is because we have so many more emojis in the vault, but we can't add them and give them to you guys because it, it's not unlocked for us yet. So I recently, we reached a new tier and we were able to add new emojis. And so <laughs> we have a new <laughs> St. Susie praying <laughs> for mercy. <laughs> so we have a St. Susie and we have a Guru Armin. Um, so it's really fun to bring these back. And I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Forever Stormy is saying, is that Armin? The horny Brahmin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Guru Armin. You're supposed to okay, so only only YouTube members can um use these and also on Twitch, whoever is a follower. No, mm -hmm. yeah, a subscriber. Yeah, a subscriber on Twitch, right? So on YouTube, if you're a YouTube member, you could use, we have a lot of emojis. These are some of them. It's already uploaded. Like, oh yeah, people are using them. Can you, we can't show Yay! them. We can't show them on, you have to look at the YouTube live chat because we, if you show them on screen, this is how they show up, okay? But if you're watching this on YouTube, you will be what uh, what Kenny was using right now. This is this is what Kenny is, uh, is showing, yeah. <laughs> this is what shows up. So Prayer this is Susie baby. praying and crying, and she has a halo <laughs> on top of her head. Uh, so if you want to be able to use these emojis, uh, be, you know, become a YouTube member. That's a you know a way for you to become, uh, for you to support this channel, but also a fun way to uh, celebrate the fact that you're a member. So I think like you use these, use this emoticon when you emoji when you are, when 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 like I'm saying something that is like putting the channel at risk, right? And you're nervous, so you're like crying and praying and hoping that the channel survives. Okay, yeah. so I think that's this the best is me praying to the YouTube gods. <laughs> yeah, this is Susie Don't praying to the YouTube. Don't strike us gods. down. Yeah, and also this one is when I'm saying something that people think like I'm giving life advice or mm -hmm. like she acting like I'm so such a wise person and giving you <laughs> lectures about I don't know the harms of sugar. <laughs> Harms of sugar or something, right? And people say Guru Armin because it used to be the reason. The reason why we made this emoji is because people used to make fun of every time I started lecturing people about what to do, you know, with the yeah, life or like giving life advice. Yeah, people kept on like commenting in the live chat like Guru Armin. He, oh, here's Guru Armin again. <laughs> so we made a Guru Armin emojis that you guys could use. Um, why are people? Oh yeah, yeah, guys. Try if anybody. So Kenny, can you also try the Guru Armin emoji? Let me see if you guys could use it. Yeah, so consider becoming a YouTube member. Uh, Susie, you, want, you wanted to show us something? Oh, yeah. So you can become a YouTube member and get access to all of these fun things and support what we do here at Atheist Republic because we do have a whole team. You can either click the join button that is probably immediately below this video that you are watching right now, or you can go to our channel, and you should see a big blue a big blue join button next to uh, the subscribe button, and you could just join that way. And yeah, 
Yeah. Do you want to click on the join and see what shows up? Okay. No, I did earlier, but for some reason the display is being very weird on my computer and it starts playing a video. So it's best okay. if I don't show up because it's being weird. But um another yeah. benefit, another benefit of being a YouTube member is that when we do our QAs, as a YouTube member, you get to come live on air and talk to us, uh, talk to me uh, about your questions and whatever you want to discuss, right? So again, patrons get to ask uh, their questions for our, me and Susie to answer during Q&A. So they post, like they write their questions, but members get to come and talk to, to me live on air during the Q&A session. So, and we do, we usually do our Q&As like almost once every week, right? Unless something mm -hmm. happens and we can't make it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, two benefits. As a, as a YouTube member, you get to come live on air and talk to us and ask us your questions and you get to use these emojis. <laughs> Yeah, um, if we get 10 more members, then I get to add another. And I still yes. have my my goal is 100, 100 members, because we have a lot of emojis ready to be unleashed. What are we at right now? I don't remember. I think like 40. 40. Okay. Guys, get us to 100. However, don't become a YouTube member. Again, don't another reminder for us not to support us financially if you are struggling financially. Okay, so this mm -hmm. is only and only you're only allowed to become a YouTube member if you are financially comfortable and you can afford this. Okay, uh, but please do not support us if you are struggling. Okay, do not even think about it. Instead, if you're struggling financially, you can support this channel by simply liking the video. So, yeah, do it. You have no excuse. You're not allowed to not support us that way. You watched almost three hours of me and Susie talking and bringing you, you know, doing a great job, do a fantastic job in giving you the news. So you <laughs> might as well just support us by liking, okay? Like the video. Make, you know, I'm, I'm, I was going to yell again, but I'm not going to because people said it. <laughs> okay? But, you know, just imagine me yelling at you right now, okay? Imagine in your head I'm yelling at you and telling you to like the video, okay? Just Think about it. Okay. All right. Cool. Susie, anything else? <laughs> no, I had oh, yeah. so much fun with you today. Oh, true. Oxymoron is saying you also highlight comments. Yes. If you're a YouTube member, like uh, we notice your comments a lot more in the comment section because it's like green and colorful and there's a higher chance that we're going to highlight them. So, yeah, yeah I try to, to and it's, I try to do that. I try to. Um, make sure that I do that. So, um, yeah, like this one. Why is Susie crying? Because I'm threatening the channel with my, with my, <laughs> with my, with my loose attack. tongue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay, guys. Thank you for being here. Oh wait, Qasem, let me ask Qasem's question. Qasem saying, which one is worse, Islam, sugar, or communism, or Trump? Sugar. Sugar is worse. I think than sugar. Oliver. Definitely sugar. Yeah. Sugar. Is Believe right. it or yeah. not. Yes. Sugar is worse than communism, Trump, and Islam combined. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Talk to you guys soon Bye. in the Q&A. Bye.